This episode of The A-Team is brought to you by FaceToFaceGames.com, Canada's number one source for Magic the Gathering card singles. You cannot put the deck on the Metamorphos. No. Like, the deck will be done, and we can all go back, we can go back to play normal, good, wholesome magic where, you know, I make infinite fairies and you play three threes for one mana. You know, let's go back and do that, or, or even better, and I play a two-minute spell that causes all your creatures to die, and I get to put four four horses. <laughs> That's good old-fashioned magic right there. That's what we should be promoting. Welcome to the A-Team Podcast, brought to your ears by ManorDeprived.com, home of Canadian magic. In 2010, a crack magic-playing unit was sent to prison by the DCI court for mise they didn't commit. These men promptly escaped from a federal pound-me-in-the-ass prison to the Canadian underground. Today, still wanted by Wizards of the Coast, they survive as podcasters of fortune. If you have a problem, if no one else can help, and if you can find them, maybe you can listen to The A-Team. KYT. It's just like, why? Not everything I do is, like, horrible. <laughs> like, yeah. You can't have it both ways, old man. <laughs> Jay Boosh. Damn it! Why am I always so ahead of the curve and then somebody <laughs> like Owen makes the deck popular and now I sound like every deck brewer on the planet. Scotty. It's actually a secret ploy for her to get you two to spend more time together. <laughs> if mom next levels you. It's <laughs> yeah, like, serious. And Jeremy. Do you know how hard it is to buy cream singles? No. And when you put Korean singles into Google's, do you know what you get? You don't get magic cards. <laughs> and now, the A-Team. Hey everyone, welcome to episode 176 of the A-Team podcast. Mr. Scotty Mack here. I am joined by, of course, my regularly scheduled co-hosts, KYT. Woohoo! Woohoo! Jay Boosh. Ew. And Jeremy Schofield. Hello, 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 hello. <laughs> we have with us a very special guest, potentially, all, actually, probably one episode short of um, hitting the record for, or tying the record, rather, for most guest appearances on the A-Team podcast. Uh, you guys may recognize him from uh, such hits as episode 74, The Winningest Legacy Player. Uh, you'll also recognize him from uh, back in his... Uh, devastating tear of Pro Tour Gate Crash. We have top 10 player in the world ranked lucky number 7. None other than the man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Tom Martell. Welcome back yeah, to the show, right? sir. Hey, my, my intros get better and better. I need to start coming on more. Well, I'm, I mean, you're so close. I mean, John Medina was the only one that was on for like five, actually five visits as a guest. And then the only answer we had was to make him a permanent mainstay. So, like, if you hit six guest appearances, then you just crush him. All right, well, what do you do next week? Nice. <laughs> Let's do this. Nice. Uh, it's great to be back. Uh, thank you all for having me. It's been, uh, it's been a little while. It's been too long. I miss you guys. Well, we miss you, too. We don't nearly get out to enough uh, events together, and, I mean, it. Have you just? I mean, what have you been up to? I mean, we haven't seen too much of you in the limelight. Like, what's happening? Yeah, I've been. Uh, I've been playing as much recently. Um, I played a few GPS. I've had a couple near misses and a couple big misses. 
in the last few. Uh, I got the buy eventually in at GP Philly. That was that was fun. You got the buy. I got the buy. Yeah, I was I was oh four on day two, and they oh, they, they let me win one, and then I <laughs> I refused to drop without getting a W. Um, yeah, but it's been it's been uh, I've been working a lot, and so I've had as much time to kind of travel to GPs as I would like. I missed the GP in Montreal, which was which was sad for many reasons. Um, reasons you know, yeah. missed going out with you guys. Uh, missed karaoke. Missed winning another tournament. There's lots lots that lots that could have gone well there, but. Uh, Getting geared up now for the PT in a couple weeks, so it's going to be good to get back. Nice. So, uh, one thing that, you know what, we haven't actually talked to anyone about and, since it's actually happened, and I would be honored if you would kind of give us sort of the backdated lowdown um, about the, the change, obviously, in sponsorship. So, you guys, now uh, your team, previously SCG, uh, is now sort of under the, the Pantheon colors. Um, of the uh, the channel fireball banner, so you're back under the banner. Yeah. Um, what's that sort of all about? Like, give us the give us the quick run on that. Yeah. So I mean, we we've, um, we're still a little split. There's still a few players who individually uh, write for contribute to Star City, uh, and it certainly wasn't you know, a particularly contentious you know, split. We still respect those guys. We're still a lot of friends over there. Um, but for us, it made the most sense to to jump on and, and for some people join the channel for the first time. For me, it's kind of going back home. I've known these guys. Uh, I've known, I know the management of channel fireball for the last, you know, 15 years, let's say. Um, so I've known them forever and it was great to have a good reason to go back to them. Um, personally for me, I made the original switch to star city because I really want to do commentary at the, uh, at SCGs. Okay. And unfortunately that didn't work out with the direction. They kind of moved things. Uh, oh. I did do one invitational that I thought I had a blast at. I thought it went really well. But then they wanted to move to the more kind of regularly scheduled commentary team that can do it every weekend, and that was never going to be me. Mm-hmm. So unfortunately, uh, you know that wasn't happening, and, and so my real reason for staying there kind of vanished. Sure. And and when the opportunity came up to, to jump back over to, start, to channel, I was thrilled to do so. So was it basically? I mean, because it, it very mm-hmm. much seemed like to us on the outside that Star City obviously had their focus, and that was going to be their open series. And, you know, grooming that coverage team and, and making that, you know, their their claim to fame, as it were, aside from, you know, content and being a store and all that stuff. But sure. as far as the actual sort of tournament scene, that was sort of where they wanted to put their money. Um, and obviously, yes, Channel Fireball kind of just looked at an opportunity to, I mean, we hadn't seen a lot out of them, right? I mean, the primary Channel Fireball team at had started to hit some snags themselves, you know, with uh, with the rise of SCG Black, with you know, at at your command, as it were. Um, so I guess you know it looked very much just like, well, I, I mean, we've got an opportunity to get back in the ring and sponsor two teams and just do it upright. Yeah, I think I think John. Uh, so John Sasso is the president of of Channel, mm-hmm. um, and John definitely is, he loses his investment in in professional magic. Um, and Star City's focus certainly has been on the, on the open series. You know, they can kind of make their own celebrities through that. Um, in the past, it hasn't necessarily gone so well, unfortunately. You know, a lot of the early people they really promoted turned out to all be huge, savage cheaters. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that was kind of a whammy. But uh, it, for them, if they're putting a lot of investment and time into that, sponsoring a team that's never even going to play in those events, um, or will you know, only infrequently be playing those events, is a little bit cross-purpose. Sure. And so we just didn't offer them the same kind of return that I think that, that Channel saw in us uh, to keep building that, that professional brand. 
and and hopefully you know, we can we can help them realize a return on that investment that they're making in us by by promoting a lot promoting the site and getting a lot of more you know hits and page views and great content going on over there. Yeah. Um, for me, I was always I always disliked being behind the pay banner on Star City because I think you know if I'm going to take time to produce something, I really want it to be widely available. I like that a lot. Um, was that your choice? Like obviously not, but like, did you have any say in that at all? Yeah, I, I could. I, could, I mean, if I could, I could opt out of being paid and go free. Um, <laughs> right. That, that was a tough choice to make. Uh, I, I was prepared to go that far. Uh, too, but you know, for that Starseed's business model, and, and you know, I think they've done very well with it. And obviously, Starseed the brand has, a, has you know commands a lot of attention. But I'm very optimistic that the, that the Channel Fireball brand is. You know, ascending at all and going to surpass that, or at least you know, be on the same level as as stars. I think from a content perspective, it already is there. It's are they actually producing better content? Maybe as a store, it might still be, be trailing, but you know that's that's not really my primary concern. I sure. like the reach I have on on channel is equal to that or better than that that I had on Star City. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's the that matters to me. They'll get out there and you know, interact with people, and I love when people comment on my videos and I can have conversations about why I was doing something. Uh, that's why I love streaming, because I think that interaction directly with the consumer of the content is so valuable, both for me and for them. Uh, it adds a lot more to it than just, hey, here's an article I'm going to throw over the wall, and then good luck understanding it, and I'll be back in a week. I think it's one of the major keys to success as a community member in general. Like Whether you are a pro player that's creating content and articles and such, or whether you're just like podcasters like us, and it's being accessible. You know, and and being being a person, not just being an idea or a figurehead, and that then that's why you know you look at people that are off the circuit love, you know, a lot of the Star City folks like they get that because they're at the opens and people are grinding and seeing them all the time. But you know, and so there's there's that personal connection. But at GPs and stuff, all of you guys are just amazing. I it was so cool to just kind of sit down and. I was at Montreal, and I sat down with, I guess it was like Conley and, and Harry Corvese, and there was a couple of other people just sitting there. We were just like shooting the breeze and whatever, like Zach Hill and whatever. And, I mean, like, sure, we, we somewhat, like, we know Conley pretty well, and, you know, we know the other guys a little bit, but, I mean, it's nothing for other people just to kind of sit down and say hi. And you guys are always, always amazing and open for that. And I think that's really, really important. So being on the, the right side of the paywall, I think, you're right, is going to pay off in space. Yeah, and I think also, and sorry, I had to answer it. My mom emailed me, freaking out that the interview, she's going to miss it. I had to explain to her this isn't a live thing. <laughs> <That's> so cute. <laughs> Hi, Mom! I just you now know that you don't have to worry. You'll hear this in a week it's or like, so, a couple days. It's like one of those people that think that the answering machine is a person. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> Reach Tom Martell's voicemail. I'm not here at the moment. Leave a message. I'm like, Hi, could you just let Tom know that it's Mordecai? No, but that was uh, on that a little bit related to that in nineteen ninety like four or so, like going way back, it was the first time I ever was on the internet. And I was on the internet playing it was Thanksgiving morning, I'm playing chess on the internet. And I'm <laughs> I'm like a little kid, you know, I'm like ten or eleven or whatever, and I don't really know what the internet is yet, it just you know, it's not really a thing. Um, it was dial up. And she's like, Come come to dinner, I'm like, Oh, let me finish this game. You know, she's like, You're playing the computers leave. I'm like, wait, no, I think it's a person. She's like, No, there's no people on the computer, you're being stupid. I'm like, Oh, okay. So she didn't know about it then, but she's kind of figured it out now. It's taken 20 years, but we've gotten there. (laughs) That's awesome. 
something. We're talking about something magic-related. Star City, Channel Fireball, the Switch. Star yeah, City like, and Fireball, yeah, yeah, yeah. No. Switch is, is, you know, for me, again, it gives me better interaction. And also, you know, I love, a lot of people produce content every week, and, and I have tremendous respect for that. You know, what you guys do, you know, building a fan base, it doesn't really matter if you're a pro or not, right? If you're just interacting with people and talking about magic and building a community that's so valuable. And so I really appreciate the chance to kind of, you know, piggyback on, on what you guys are doing and, and borrow your platform for a night and kind of chat and talk about it. Uh, because that to me is so much fun. And unfortunately, I don't have the time every week to put out something, but I wish I could. And I'm hopefully in the future we'll be able to. Um, but it's, it's awesome to, to kind of, kind of sneak on and, 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 and I said, borrow that, that network effect for, for a little bit. Well, you do a good job with how you spend your time, like, you know, through your stream and stuff like that. There's a lot of fun there. You have some, like, lasting uh, fun for the Magic community, and uh, I, I believe you're the owner of BrianKimbler.com. I am, which came up. Oh, it's actually, it's funny, I, I, anytime Kimbler tweets with me in the name, I get, like, 30, I wake up to, like, 30 messages. Uh, and other days, I wake up to zero. So, yeah, this morning, I looked at my phone, and, like, Twitter had a little icon, like, the red 92 or something. Like, oh, I must, Brian must have tweeted something. <laughs> <laughs> and sure enough, sure enough, he had uh, he made a joke about BrianKiller.com, uh, which is still the core of my internet portfolio. <laughs> it's 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 a very good piece. Eventually, he'll have to buy it from you, right? Like you yeah, guys, there, there's going to be like a battle that'll be like Pro Tour Finals, and it'd be like you'd be like Brian, I think you should concede, and he'd be like, No way, Tom, going down. You'd be like, I'll give you the domain. You know, <laughs> he doesn't even want it anymore. Now that he has BMK Gaming, he's like, it's a better domain name anyway. I'm like, all right, Brian. All right. <laughs> I'm assuming this one. You should start posting stuff regularly to the site, generate an absurd amount of traffic, and then just be like, what now? What now? See, that statement leads me to believe you've never been to the site. I've never been to the site. <laughs> you gotta go to the site to understand why that doesn't make any sense. Okay, I'm going right now. Currently, it's, 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 I'm trying to figure out what the next redirect should be. I, I move around. It's an Amazon link that goes to bedhead manipulator texture page. So as Brian put out this morning, he doesn't even use that hair product anymore, so I need to update it to something he is using. So I'm still trying to figure out the best update, but, but uh, it is going to go somewhere else. <laughs> I'm telling Brian that I'm going to get, so Brian's girlfriend's name is Natalie, uh, and I keep, giving, I keep teasing them to buy nataliekibbler.com as well, and for a wedding present, I'm going to give them the pair of websites. Oh, but I'm probably not going to do that. I just want to. <laughs> that's awfully ambitious. Love that thing. That's like what that's like the crown jewel. Yeah, for trophy. That's all I need. Those two things. Tom, when did you buy it? I don't think we've ever asked you. Um, so it was, God, it was years ago. I mean, you probably can check. I think the domain. If you go to like uh, whatever the domain registry thing is, like I can look it up. But I'm sitting at work. It must have been like 2011. Kibler texts me saying, "Hey." How did you set up TomMartell.com? I want to get BrianKibler.com. Oh. <laughs> so I text back, like, explaining what I did while I'm checking to see if it's available. I see it's available. I buy it. Oh. I tell him, oh, you go to this link and try to buy it. He goes there. He's like, wait, it's taken. I'm like, oh, man, that sucks. Someone else has scooped you. <laughs> like, I figure out who bought it. I show him how to get it. He's like, what the fuck? You bought it? I'm like, yeah, thanks. Actually, yeah. <laughs> but I'll sell it to him at a generous, generous price of only a 5X markup. Oh, no. Like, okay. Uh, and then I offered it a, a 10x markup I think a couple months later, and he said no. And uh, yeah, I think I'm going to get a good return on that, on that website. <laughs> wow. That's really good. That's so awesome. <laughs> all he meant that he was beaten and just paid me the 5x. That's all I asked for. 
<laughs> not a lot of money. He could have swung that. Oh, goodness. <laughs> Brian, do the right thing, man. Pride is all... Oh, I mean, it's, what's your pride? Oh, oh, it's too late. I'm the sale. But... So, uh... So you said you've been really busy. Uh, yeah, been what... Crazy. What is what has been keeping you so busy? Like work and and anything else? Maybe that might have changed in a hundred episodes since you've been here. Um, most these days, currently, it's mostly work. Um, let's see, a hundred episodes ago would have been how long? That's a while. Yeah. Um, well, for people who watch me stream, you know that I have a a lovely girlfriend who is living in New York, so I'm traveling a little bit more for that. Heading out there, seeing her, she comes out to California, sees me. Right. Um, so that's certainly. Uh, is is eating to some of my time, but it's it, I mean, day to day. It really is, you know, just work's gotten pretty hectic, mm -hmm. and will be for the next uh, next period of time. So, 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 do we want to uh, we want to say you know thank you to to Susie, Susie the Nat, right? Susie, yeah, Susie, Susie the Nat on Twitter and on Twitch. She actually now streams without me and gets I think more viewers. So I've been I'm now no longer necessary. She's launched her own magic stardom career, and nice. I was just a stepping stone that was used. To uh, to get there, so we met her at um, so I met her at GP Toronto just this past year. Yep, and uh, and yeah, like she was playing uh, Cards of Sam for most of the night, and and yeah, so it was just like super awesome. And uh, I'm really glad that uh, that you found somebody. She seems really cool. Yeah, she's awesome. That was her second GP, and actually, she uh, was in top eight contention going into the last draft of day two, and she's been playing Magic for under a year. So it's pretty impressive how quickly she's. Really taken to the game. Well, when uh, she's being taught by you and John, that is true. She does get to play with some pretty good Magic players. Um, you know, so I actually met her through John. She, she yeah. and John Dingle are very good friends, and that's how we met. Uh, and so she, she and John play regularly, and uh, she's really. But even even you know, even if you have great teachers, you know, it, it's Magic's an incredibly complicated game. It just takes time to absorb and pick things up. And she, I've been blown away by how quickly she's developed as a player. So. Does she, play any, yeah. does she play any other games? Like, did she have any basis for that? Um, or is she, she just playing? Yeah, yeah, she, funnily enough, talking about Brian Kibler, she and Brian Kibler went a WoW Guild together in, like, 2002. Wow. Sorry, that was terrible. I totally <laughs> didn't even mean to do that. That was terrible. Or maybe, like, 04, 05, but way back. Uh, so they've known each other for a long time. And then, yeah, she met John completely independently, not through Brian at all, and then reconnected to Brian through, through John and me. Uh, which is kind of hysterical. So she does have a long background, you know, gaming. Um, so, you know, it, it helps, certainly, in, in kind of picking things up. Sweet. Wow. So she's obviously not just doing it, like, as a... She actually enjoys it. She's not just doing it because, like, she wants to participate in things that you also enjoy. Yeah, absolutely. She's not just humoring me. I mean, I'll come home now, and she's, like, guest starring on other people's streams, and... <laughs> I think she's more magic than I do at this point. Uh, nice. Certainly recently, and so she's you know, she loves it, and, and it's definitely completely independent of independent of me. I think nice. you should buy her domain name really quick. Yeah, yeah, I should. NatalieMarshall.com. They're done too. I'll I'll get to that after this after this one before it goes up and goes live. So no, yeah, 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 I'm not purchase purchase NatalieMarshall.com. It's <laughs> so Natalie's Kibble's girlfriend. Uh, oh, right. Susie. Oh, Susie. Susie. Also purchase Natalie Martell. <laughs> I think Brian would be, would be uh, probably abused. You know what? I bet you could sell that one to Brian before you could sell him BrianKibler.com. Absolutely. That might be true. <laughs> that was kind of scary. I wouldn't want to get on her bad side. She would kill me. 
She's awesome. She's awesome. Awesome. Yeah, yeah she's awesome. We're in Amsterdam for Worlds, and we were like the Brian and I both busted the tournament. Um, you know, we're about to get food. It's like eleven o'clock, and she's starving, and she has the most terrifying glare I've ever seen. Like she looks at you, and I literally thought she was going to shove me, like stab me, and then drop my body into one of the canals. <laughs> so mad at both of us. She just wanted to eat, and she just would not talk to us. Glared at us. I was terrified until we got into a restaurant and she ate like two bites into food. All of a sudden, she was normal again. But I was really concerned for our safety. Uh, so I do not want to go to Natalie's bad side. Yeah. Wowza. So uh, we obviously have some brand new stuff on the horizon. Uh, we've got uh, Journey into Nick's pre-release happens this weekend on this paper. Weekend. Yeah. Uh, are you playing anywhere? I'm going to be gunslinging at uh, the Channel Fireball store here in uh, in Santa Clara. Nice. So that'll be fun. I, I, you know, get out there and just uh, see the cards, battle a bunch of people, give away yeah. a lot of packs. Yeah. Are you? Um, so is there a color or something that you're leaning towards? Like, obviously, you you must have been able to take some time on lunch or whatever and check out the spoilers and see what's going on. I've read the spoiler and I've been looking at cards for like block constructing because obviously we're getting a head start now on set, on, on getting reps in for Atlanta. Of course. Uh, in terms of the prelease itself and limited, I've done next to nothing. Um, I, I've seen, but don't remember the prelease cards you can get. Okay. My default is always just pick blue. Sure. Okay. Which is, I think, even in this block, it's so far been correct both times. <laughs> even though they're yeah. just big dumb idiots. I mean, in the first set, you got Seabreaker Kraken. I guess Black might have been better report. Overlord was pretty absurd. Um, and this, but in the in whatever the last set was, the blue card you got like the Arbiter guy that untaps and inspires, right? Yeah, yeah. I think that was the best of the promo cards in terms of saying a power level, I think. So. Oh yeah. So I uh, so interesting enough. So I was going to go with uh, Black. I like er, early on. I was just you know I I knew that. Um, I, the decks I want to play in the format are like the grindy control decks, and most of them that I've had a lot of success with are like blue black or like you know blue black green or whatever. Yeah. Um, and so just you know great removal and you know big dumb idiots and whatever, right? And so partway through, I'm looking at some of the rares, and I thought, okay, well the rares look really good. It's a lot of sweet removal, reusable, whatever. And then they went ahead and spoiled like the full spoiler came out. And they revealed uh, Hubris, which is blue one instant, return target creature and all auras attached to it yeah, to their owner's hands. Sure. And I was just like, shit, I'm in the wrong color. So I <laughs> snap moved to blue because I was like, well, I always like blue in all of my decks, just like black, so I'll just take the blue ones. And yeah, I'm, I'm pretty excited. Riptide Chimera, I am so excited to beat face with. Which uh, is that the the promo? That's the three four flyer for three mana. That at the it's the Esperzoa basically. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. hit the bounce enchantment every uh... every upkeep. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, like that's a flying shark. I don't know if you guys know this. That is a flying shark. Yes, the picture is a flying shark. It's it's absurd. Judge. Yeah. (laughs) They're really breaking down here. I think they need to get some better uh, some flavor police in there. Has anyone ever seen Shark Week? Yep. Great white sharks can fucking fly. That's a so. fair point. <laughs> so, I'm yeah. just waiting, I just wish there was a crab person. I'm waiting for that hybrid. 
The crab person? Yeah. Yeah, that's what I want to happen. That, that should have been a Simic thing. It should be. Why are there no crab people? They're just being they're being uh, prejudiced against by wizards. And crabs are people too. Well, crab, I mean, they were homerids, right? Hom- but are they are they lobster people and not crab people? Like, is that the big difference? Maybe, yeah, maybe that's what it is. What is the blue promo? Is it the uh, scourges it's, of fleets? It's the big yeah yeah yeah. That's the, the one. Card? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm flipping through a spoiler now. Like, the only card that looks like big enough and clunky enough to be a promo card. Yeah, it is. It is. <laughs> I mean, that's pretty good, though, right? I mean, like, you drop this card and you should just win. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's, it's awesome. It's certainly good. But it so. is seven, just seven mana, right? Like, the white, I'm, like, looking through white, okay, what skulls cost more than, like, white doesn't have an expensive guys. White one, like, something cheap. Yeah, there's is, uh, the, uh, the common from Avacyn Restored Limited. The, f- that the two, four flying lifelink for four mana? That card, Donner Richard, that card is bonkers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm playing white. White's the way to go. That card is insane. <laughs> I'm for sure playing white. <laughs> it's like that or the Doomwake. Like that or black. I think is where I want to be. Just because I like the Doomwake giant guy, the four six. That's like yeah, yeah, he's he's pretty man. So they're actually thinking like some because typically they've been. It looks like they've been pushing into more expensive stuff. But here you have you know a four drop the white card. Like that card just ends games quickly, and it felt like yeah, it was yeah. one of these games that go longer. Like people get more play with their cards. So it's interesting kind of change that they're making here. The set as a whole is pretty sick. It's like the power level is quite high. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially yeah. I, I, after Born, where the power level is like absurdly low. Yeah, I think that a lot of these cards, and what I really like about it is that a lot of the cards are just super good, in, like in a, in a vacuum in a limited format. Like right. they're 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 innately good limited cards. I yeah, mean, like a lot of good magic cards in the set. Yeah, yeah. Like, f- uh, and from some of the preliminary stuff that we've been doing, um, that we've been testing, because like on. We've been testing a lot of limited with some of the cards in particular, and uh, like Font of Ire is actually like way better than people think it is in the limited format. Like Lava Axe on a discount at instant speed is actually very good. I'm reading that one right now. Font. Oh, here you go. It's literally Lava Axe, but it's like two to cast and four to pop. Hmm. Okay. So it's it's ending a lot more games than people realize because like five damage is a lot of reach. But yeah, I mean, sure. And there's so much, so many good ways to put pressure in this format. Yeah. Although I think the draft format, draft needs to be really weird because you're such a power lull in the middle. Mm. Oh yeah, crap shoot. Like what comes around in, in Born because like the packs can be so swingy. Yeah, that... and I find like a lot of times in Born, even there's just like packs where you'll just like not open any red cards or not open any white cards. That happens all the time in this format in general, though. Or even in the last couple formats, the pack collation they're doing now is so bad. Yeah. And the GP in Philly. I was, um, what was I? I was white, blue, and I had to first pick a fleet-footed sandals. <laughs> and then I had to second pick a, uh, another artifact. Wow. Because there were no blue or white cards in either pack. Like, not a single cast, you know, it just it was absurd. And that happens a lot, I think, in this set. Yeah, and that's, like, super unfortunate. Plus, it's, like, it's hard to get signals, and, like, you're sitting next to a guy, and he passes you a pack with no white cards in it, and you're like, well, did he open something, or, you know, did am I getting cut, or what's happening here? Like, I guess white dried up, and like and then it's like no one's playing the white deck. Right. Yeah, the packs have gotten a lot more, um, it's introduced a lot more variance because of the way that the collation's working out, that you can just not, you know, you open back. I'm not saying I have to have, like, a wind seed right in every pack, but, like, can I just get a traveling philosopher? Like, I'm not asking for a lot here. Um... Yeah. 
you know, just like blend out the, just make it a little more, more balanced in the, in the collation. And they've now intentionally stacked, I think they do this on purpose, I assume so. Um, like the best uncommons are typically together to make you have like hard choices or whatever. Yeah, yeah. But it means that like if across the table they open two of those packs, those two people get like multiple power uncommons. And if your side doesn't open any, your decks are just worse. Yeah. Yeah. And it introduces a lot more variance in terms of just kind of what is being opened, you know, broadly around the table. And, and I find that to be less, you know, less fun. Not enough choices, you know. I want packs to be, like, a little bit deeper, a little more, like, balanced in terms of color. But, you know, it is what it is. It happens, it balances out over time. Yeah. So are there, like, are there any archetypes which you think, you know, people can solidly look at? Like, I mean, if you've done, if you, you've done some, look, some work into block, obviously, right? So... I mean, for our listeners that don't really know, maybe you can give us an update. So what does the block format look like right now? That I cannot answer. Okay. At risk of being yelled at. Uh, oh, okay. Uh, I can say so... Can Elspeth. So if you look at the... Let's talk about this. Let's talk about where the block format is going into the new set, I, which I can certainly talk about. Cause I have yeah, that, that's what I'm looking at, right? Like, yeah, like so, if you were to go to the Moto results right now, right. pre-journey... There's really, there's really, like, three decks. There's Esper Control. There is um, black, like mono black beatdown, and there's like um, green, black, white junk. Oh, sorry, junk like reanimator decks. Um, and it's kind of like rock paper scissors. I feel like and I think there actually is a mono red deck too, but I just rarely ever see it. Um, the Esper deck beats the mono black deck, but gets crushed by the junk deck. The junk deck beats the Esper deck, but loses to the mono black deck. And yeah, so it's it's a very much a rock paper scissors kind of setup. Okay, it's interesting because before with a single set. Every single deck was Naya. Yeah, yeah. There was I've ever seen a daily that had like nineteen people that moneyed, and all nineteen are playing Naya. Wow! Did like four cards of each other. It was miserable. That just <laughs> speaks to the power of Elspeth and Xenagos and those and Stormbreath Dragon, like in right. those formats, right? I mean, those are the top three cards. Yeah, and I think if you look at the, the format, the ones now, it's you know the junk deck is playing you know commune with the gods and Saturn Wayfinders to dump Ashen Riders and Abhorrent Overlords into the graveyard and then reanimating those with Whip and with um, like Rescue of the Underworld. Yep. And that's its way of like keeping up with, with kind of you know beating an Elspeth. Well okay it's fine if you can bring out an Ashen Rider and you you know whip out an Ashen Rider and you gain five and you, you remove something you can get a lot of, le- of, of, uh, of, of life back and tempo back from that kind of a play. I thought Esprek is a really hard time beating them if they resolve a whip. Which is strange, because, like, revokes in the format, right? Yeah, but, like, their only artifact in their deck is whip. Oh, true. So how many revokes? I mean, you want some, but, like, you don't want to play, like, four. It, you know, and it just, it just makes the games, like, pretty swingy. Sure, sure. And they still get some value. They play whip and they activate immediately on turn eight, right? And they also have a bunch of thought seizes, so they can just thought seize you first. Right. And, you know, you have some, too, but you don't have that as many as they just, you know, it's kind of this... Like, like, much like the standard thoughts, he kind of ruins all the fun. Yeah. Um, and you can't rely on having a trump that you need a reactive trump card. You need to have a proactive trump card. Right. Okay. Well, and, and like Banishing Light obviously might contribute to helping that matchup. Yeah. But, so but I'm... the new cards are going to really shake the format up, I think, because there's, there's, again, Born is pretty low power. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you look at the decks, like they're playing guilds. Um, they're playing other kind of expensive one-to-one removal, but they're not playing a lot of other cards from 
It's really just like Guild and like Saturday Fighter are kind of the defining cards from Born of the Gods for the format. I mean, yes. Herald of Torment and the aggressive decks, but um, but really it, it's it's defined by Theros. And now Journey is certainly powerful enough that you both you know, create new archetypes, push certain things. And as always in block formats, when the third set shows up, you finally have enough kind of tools to build much stronger kind of linear strategies. So if you want to play an aggro deck, I'm sorry, if you want to play a control deck, you can kind of just like jumble some stuff together and it can be a little clunky because you're just playing like all the best removal spells and then you have some card draw to kind of piece it together. If you want to play an aggro deck, your mana has to be really good. So you can only really play like one, maybe two colors. And so you have a much smaller kind of pool of cards to play from. Yeah. And you need three sets just to get a critical mass of stuff to be aggressive. That makes sense. So I think we'll see that speed the format up a lot, and that'll put natural pressure on you know, the, the 12 Temple, really clunky Esper deck, and the, you know, the decks that don't do it until turn 5 have to play a whip and then ha- and activate it once. Right. Um, those have a much harder time now that I think aggressive decks are going to go probably a full turn faster, is my guess in the dark. Nice. Wow. That's what games played, though. So, you know, I've, like I said, our team has started testing. I've certainly read some emails, but I haven't played any games myself. Um, so we'll see if, if my kind of assumptions here pan out. But that's kind of just traditionally in block formats, that's how they tend to mature, is they get you know, a full turn faster as you get the third set in. Awesome. I, what I really like about it is, uh, in this set in particular, is there's so many cards that have even like modern or potentially legacy applications. Sure. And like, I mean, you're starting to see functional reprints or even like functional improvements on a bunch of old favorites. Like you've got you know, rule of law on a guy, you know, and you've got, um, you've got the, the spirit of the Aegis or whatever that gives you hexproof, right? And yeah, that card's very, very important, I think, in, in, even in Legacy, I think that's where you definitely see play. Yeah. And, like, the Aegis of the Gods, yeah, that's it. And, and I think that, uh, that's just really awesome to see, and, and it really speaks to sort of the overall power, uh, that, that, that the set has at its disposal, so it's gonna be really exciting stuff. Um, I think just the last comment I'd have on the new set, and mm-hmm. you can kind of go from where, but for limited especially, I think there's so many overruns in this set. It's going to make games much more kind of brutal. For um, example? Strive, like, well, Strive as a mechanic is a kind of like a pseudo-overrun kind of thing, right? Like, say you have a Johnny's Presence, which is a common. Right? If you Strive that thing for, you know, two, and you get to get three of your guys, plus one, plus one, and indestructible, you're basically just wiping your opponent's team, and, you know, it's going to be a blowout. But, like, Red, I think, has, like, multiple ones. Um, if I, I'm scrolling down through the thing right here. So there's, like, well, Blinding Flare, right? They can't block. Uh, yeah. There's, I think I saw two more. Let me see what other ones are here. Rouse, right. Rouse the Mob is another one I ran Red in common. Yeah, Harness by Force, right? Take two of their guys for six mana. They're almost certainly dying in any kind of a race situation. Yeah. Yeah, Rouse, like you mentioned. Um... Like Rollock of Abandon, right? All oh, actually, it's interesting. Rollock of Abandon is all creatures. Oh, it's minus two. You know what I mean? Not that one. Yeah, Rouse the Mob is just like literally just overrun. literal overrun. <laughs> yeah, at instant speed, yeah. like that card is a common. Like it's just going to be blocking is going to be very hard, is my guess in this limited format. And games are going to get are going to be about who draws there. You you can't stall the game out the way you could before. You know, cards like Servant of Timber are going to get a lot worse. Right. Uh, where server is like awesome, I thought in the current format. Here, there's like so many ways to kind of like, oh, you have a server timber, you're trying to like drain me for one turn. Okay, we'll take seventeen. <laughs> keep, keep up, good luck. Yeah, yeah, that's sweet. 
Yeah, I'm excited to see uh, to see how it all plays out. I mean, there's some just some seriously powerful uncommons, which I think you know, Eddie, even in the uncommon from the limited standpoint, are really going to be able to turn the tide. Like, you know, like the fleet feather cockatrice is just absurd. The the five mana blue green three you know three three fly three three flying death touch flash with monstrosity like that card's gonna cards can do some work. Yeah, that guy is he's he's been getting big game. I mean, all the gold cards I think are pretty or almost all of them. Speaking of overruns, you know, desperate stand is you know another pseudo overrun kind of thing. Um, even it's like the blue red guy, right? The two three fly lets you like scry and pump his power. Like they're all pretty powerful cards. Yeah. It's interesting to see kind of how they how they shift things. Yeah. Um. So, what's your thought on the god cards in general? Like, like let's talk about the let's talk about the new ones. Are there any that stand out for you? Like, um. Well, after it was God of Passage, I'm glad they they printed the Sam Black Invitational card. That's nice of them. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm excited to be working with Sam on any format with his cards legal. Sure. They could not have given us a more kind of dedicated. At the same time, it also might be terrible, because if the card's actually not good, Sam's going to incinerate at least 500 hours over the next couple months trying to break it. Yeah. So we'll see. Um, but if that card is breakable, we will, we will have it. Uh, I think Aroas is powerful. I think people, it's actually better than most people think. I have it higher. Like, you'd be like, oh, whatever, the bills aren't that relevant. The Goblin Wardrobe is, like, really relevant in any kind of format you're racing. Mm-hmm. And I think it's going to be a lot of creature decks. And so that's, and then, you know, I agree like the, the, the frontline medic, um, medic card comparisons, like, yeah, medic didn't make a huge impact, but medic was a 3-3 that didn't trigger unless you had three attackers and not until the next turn. Yeah. If you play a rose on turn four and attack with whoever many guys, they immediately have indestructible. Like, that is, or your equivalent thereof, run all damage. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, I think, a more immediate impact. It doesn't give them the whole turn. Like, medic, you play medic and they can just wrath. Here you can play back and attack once, like, or you can play Rose and attack. It's going to be more interesting to see a little more dramatic effect on the game. Yeah. And, I mean, the fact that he's got seven power at four in a deck where he's going to be in, like, that's probably pretty relevant. He's oh, going yeah, to be on there. If he ever attacks the game, I mean, it's really easy to kill them basically on the spot. Yeah. Um, Karanos is probably too tricksy to be good, but we'll see. I bet Karanos at four man, I think, would be awesome. Yeah. Chronos at five, I think it's probably fair and slightly mediocre, but I, I'm not really sure. You compare it to, like, the Hondans, right, where things kind of a fair comparison. Sure. The Hondans today would be way too slow to play. And blue-red is not a color combination that gets a lot of permanence, so it's not really going to be turning on. Yeah. Maybe you know, people are splashing red now in mono-blue, um, replacing white. That has some potential, but, like, Detention Sphere is such a great card in a devotion for deck. Yeah. And there is no blue-red detention sphere, so you're not getting that same natural devotion pickup. Yeah. So I, think, I think that'll be really hard to find a home. And Crufix and Farika? Crufix is a casual card, clearly. Ugh, not even. It's not even that good. Yeah, I mean, maybe it's awesome in Commander. I don't even know. But it's clearly designed for that. Yep. And then Farika is interesting because it's three mana. But, like, the ability is... Pretty mediocre. Yeah. Like the fact that it's been two mana, and they have the creature in your own graveyard to get a 1-1 one, one death touch, and just like, if you always got the, the creature, it would make way more sense to me. I don't know why the owner gets the 1-1. One, because one. They, they, they just thought it would be too pushed. With yeah. death touch, I think it becomes crazy, right? Because you're just like, you literally just like, make a guy, trade with their guy, eat their guy, make another guy. 
Right? Yeah. So, like, if the snake didn't have death touch, I could completely see it working as you always get the snake. Eh. It doesn't even seem touch. that great, though. It doesn't seem that crazy. Yeah. Like, compared to, um... So I've been doing... I did a charge draft on the, you know, throwback week on Moto. Yep. Uh, and I felt like, you know, helping worse kids through college. And so, and if you remember the, um... <laughs> <laughs> the, the green black enchantment you pay two and move a creature you get a one one sapling or whatever yeah night soil it's like absurd it, it looks so mediocre in the card you play it when you play it out it's like so insane and granted that format was like a better you know, had like uh, unearth and other mechanics that made that, that that card a little bit better than it would otherwise be but it's like compare that to Farika sure they have death touch but Farika's a, a mythic rare god and yeah. if it's two colored mana instead of two colors mana to pay black green exactly I mean Giving yourself a one on death that does not seem you know, too much here. That's a scries every turn to make sure guys unblockable. Let's just put things in perspective, right? Yeah. So I'm surprised that that freaking doesn't always. That, that said, I'm sure they tested it and they tried it out, probably having used always get it. Maybe it was too good in some for some reason. Um, you know, we'll see. Maybe I'll, I'll look back and say, man, I'm sure glad they didn't give that. You know, always you'd be even more insane. But my guess is it ends up being not very playable. And that it would even if it was always yours would still be that way. Yeah. Okay. That's what I think about the gods. Nice. Well, uh, we we ask we ask one favor when you're playing if you're gunslinging. There's apparently a rule that is starting to go around, and it happened last started last week uh, when we were talking about the uh, the fl- the cycle of flash enchantments. Okay. Sure. <laughs> and so we have to so there's an obligation now that if you open up uh, one of those flash enchantments that you have to play it <laughs> no matter whether it's your, in your colors or whatever and you have to play it and you have to, you have to make sure that you can run it because um, when you play it you have to ask your opponent if it resolves so you can ask them how's my dictate <laughs> is it good? Is my dictate good? Uh, I cannot. I cannot condone this behavior. I can't encourage it. I have. I have to be a role model to the children. The children. <laughs> the children. Important. Well, teach children how to trash talk. That's right. I'm not going to ask a small child how my dictate is doing. <laughs> how my dictate is doing. How's my dictate? See, that's the thing. It's like a Disney joke. It just goes right over their head. They don't know. Their parent is standing there and hears this and is appalled. Oh, come on. Parents at a magic tournament? No, they drop their kids off and they go and do what they want to do. It's like babysitting for free. Well, listen, I tell you what. (laughs) I'll tell you what. I'll at least humbly request that when you're at your next Finkel draft and you guys are drafting this block or when you're testing, and I'd really like to hear the story of you asking somebody during a playtest session, how's your dictate? The first time I cast one, I will ask that. That's awesome. <laughs> when I'm yeah, not I over the age of like 12. Sure, sure, sure. Done. Okay, that's fair. Or Owen. I'll do it to Owen even though he's under 12. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I would love to see you just slam a dictate of Erebos and just be like, so Owen, how's my dictate? <laughs> this is the time where you, know, you miss people like PTR. Dictates are going to hurt you. You can really wipe on your ass and slam on the table. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> Wait, how do I dictate now? <laughs> but yeah, we uh, we apparently have started a revolution. I'm very excited. This is what you use your power for? This, really? You you have all this power to use it on this. 
I mean, like, we don't... It's not our fault. It's not we, our fault. You don't choose what the people love. That's right. That's fair. <laughs> that, that is very true. I've, I've also learned that. You really can... You, can, you cannot... Uh, you cannot dictate... No. <laughs> what they will... Uh, what they will take to. No. No. You, you can't... You can't dictate to people's tastes. <laughs> so... So what's next for you? Obviously, you've got the PT coming up, and you've got the the gunslinging coming up, and uh, like what else? I mean, where are we at with content for you? What do you see in the future? Like, are you are you looking at Boston? Maybe. Yes, sir. Let me, let me first. Let me say on the content side, I, I usually am doing. I try to do one per week. Uh, draft or constructed Komodo tournament um, on Channel Firewall. In fact, one went up today. That was super fun, and I would say if you just check out Match 1 Game 2 after the podcast, it's one of the more ridiculous and awesome games of Magic that I think I've ever played. Um, it, was, it was very thrilled that I was filming, so check that out. But yeah, in general, you know, once a week on Channel Fireball, I'm thinking about trying to do a live show every week, if I can pin down a, a consistent time. You may have caught, so Raptor and I did a vintage playtest session uh, two weeks ago that we streamed. Yes. Yeah, I that saw was that. really fun. And then, actually, I think last night, uh, or maybe it's tomorrow night, Chion and Mashi are do, did a live Magic TV. Oh, wow. And so we're moving in that direction of doing more and more kind of like live TV-esque stuff. And so I, I'm, I'm hoping to do something like that in the near future. In terms of tournaments, um, you know, it's weird. The schedule this year was so front-loaded. It's always kind of strange the way that it ended up being balanced out. But there's not much left, actually, for the rest of the year. Um, like I said, I'm going to go to, to, to the PT in Atlanta. I'm probably going to go to the GP in Atlanta the following weekend. Yep. I wish it was the weekend before since that would make way more sense, but hey. And then I'm skipping the GP in Chicago because that weekend's EDC, and that's going to be way more fun, as I learned last year. <laughs> uh, I'm going to try to do DC. I'm going to try to do Boston. And then the PT in Portland. That's the end of the season. Yeah. And right now I'm only using three GPs. I only have points from three, so I really want to try to add to that and pick up a couple extras. I now have a like sixty-fifth, which is which is kind of a dagger in um Albuquerque. Yeah. Which is unfortunate. But yeah, I want to pick up like, you know, at least a couple more pro points. I'm five short right now of platinum. Oh, okay. So now, now that's including your pro tour attendances? That's assumed, yeah. So I have thirty five thirty-four. So I'm getting six guaranteed just for showing up. Yep. So I'm at 40, so I need to pick up five somewhere. And so, you know, spiking into the GP would be a huge, huge uh, help with that. Just, you know, hopefully I mean, it shouldn't be too hard to get five from two PTs, but you never know. You know, you can just bomb two tournaments. So I would love to get those locked up if I could. Sweet. Well, uh, it looks like Boston is becoming the next big community tournament. There are a lot of folks from RN that uh, are heading up to that one. I myself will be there. I think KYT is coming as well, and that's uh, that's something super exciting. So we'll see you there. Awesome. Yeah, I mean, hopefully it's not going to be uh, too big, but these tournaments now are getting so massive. Yeah. <laughs> I heard an estimate for New Jersey, which is in, like, November, and it's Legacy. They were estimating, like, 6,000-plus players. For what? Legacy. Is what? it another SCG one? It's another SCG one. Oh, okay. 6,000? Yes, 6,000. What the fuck? Is it the only Legacy GP? It is the only Legacy GP. But it's like as far away from everyone as possible, right? 
No, it's Jersey. It's like as central in that area as it can be. No, no, but what I'm saying is like like all of California and the like it's like it's as far north and east as possible. Sure. Right? Sure. But and, I mean like so but like a 6,000 people are going to go to a legacy SCG? Holy okay, so like you have the SCG <laughs> effect, right? Which will obviously like that that hype train just I don't know what that just is. gets crazy. <laughs> but like legacy as a format isn't dead, especially in that area. Like I mean, you see you see quite regularly. I mean, New York has got a huge base of old school players, right? And then you've also got all all of those people sort of from the East Coast. There's a big community in Boston. There's a good chunk in DC that'll come up. I mean, when you consider the player base. In the United States, I mean, that sort of quadrant of the states and the California end sort of account for the bulk of the players, right? I mean, like, you've got some that are littered down, like, in the Florida area as well, in Texas or whatnot. But, like, when you – those are where the concentrations are. And also, the legacy players are, like, pretty fanatical. I think they're, they're willing to drive 12 hours for a big tournament is my guess. I mean, like, fanatical, I think, is, is being really muted and understated on the subject. Yeah, so, I mean, I, what I'd like to see is before the tournament, the ban uh, True Name Nemesis so that my friend Lingering Souls can come back. Because you can cast a, you can put a lot of Tom Martell tokens into play in that tournament with 6,000 people. <laughs> <laughs> is there enough tokens out there? I don't think so. I don't think they're going printed. I only got, like, 60 when they, when they made them, and I told that's all I got, unless I go play into SCGs. So, who knows how many are floating around, but... Wowza. Yeah, so obviously, so bans are coming up. It was one of the things that people wanted to hear about your opinions. Um, with the new set, potential bannings. Obviously, standard's going to be fine. Nobody's going to ban anything in standard. Do you foresee bans in potentially block modern legacy or unbans for that matter? Maybe like modern, probably banning another card from Storm because they don't like the stuff like Storm. <laughs> Are they just going to, like, bring in, like, John to just kind of do, like, a quick, like, you know, sit down and say, okay, what do we need to do to really break this deck? It's been the same thing every time. They keep banning the wrong cards. Just ban Manamorphos. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that'll There's do no it. deck. You cannot play the deck without Manamorphos. No. Like, the deck will be done, and we can all go back. We can go back to play normal, good, wholesome magic where, you know, I make infinite fairies and you play three threes for one mana. You know, let's go back and do that, or or even better. And I play a two mana spell that causes all your creatures to die, and I get to put four four horses. <laughs> That's good old fashioned magic, right there. That's what we should be promoting. No, I mean the format is is what it is, but like I think Storm's not even that good, honestly. I think it's kind of silly they're still going after it if they do, but I think they 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 may. Um, I would like to see more unbannings, not more bannings. Mm-hmm. Let's just get let's let Jace back up in this piece and see what happens. <laughs> oh man, it wouldn't even be that good. I honestly don't yeah, think I, it'd be, it would be. It would be over. Yeah, before Jace shows up. Yeah, I actually think Jace would be like a reasonable role player, but would not be format defining by any stretch. I mean, like I, it's weird. So my, I always feel like if you're gonna unban Jace, you've got to let the you got to let Bloodbraid back, right? Like there's just it was always the natural foil. And I don't know. Well, there's plenty of other natural foils. Though. Like Jace does nothing to stop any of the combo decks right now, right? It does nothing to stop. There isn't a creature deck anyway. Like, Zeus unplayable, right? 
Jun is like is mediocre, but adding Bloodbreed back is not going to turn Jun into like something into like this like powerhouse against the combo decks, which is where they're, they're, it's, they're that's the problem, right? Jun isn't really beating anything. Yeah. Um, so I don't think like Jace is preying on Jund. I think it's just an interesting card to give to control decks that won't, you know, like that Blue Moon deck or like stuff like that will play like a couple copies. But like, you know, not especially, you know, you do something crazy, you don't need to unban Stoneforge Mystic. Although they should feel free to unban Stoneforge Mystic. I guess <laughs> <laughs> my Paris deck in, you know, the Channel Virals Cobblade every tournament for the rest of my career, I'd be very happy. Yeah. Although, I guess not, because everyone else would also get to play it, and that would really diminish the edge that we had in Paris. Sure. Uh, the one thing that people have been asking for is, so is, how do you feel about Splinter Twin and Pod? Like, it seems like Storm, sure, Storm as a combo deck, I think personally, like, having played a bunch of Modern, like, is a fine deck. I think it's fine to exist. I think it's one of those decks that you can't sleep on. You need to have hate. It's like the dredge of the format, right? Yeah. Like, you have to have hate for it. If you do, it's not easy to win with it, and only the extremely accomplished pilots will be able to do it, and I think that's fine. Right? It's fun It's fun to watch John... Oh, actually, I guess it wasn't on camera, but at the PT in Seattle, John forgets that Eggs players bring in four Leylands of Sanctity, boards out all of his... doesn't bring his Echoing Truth, and on turn one, the guy puts Leyland in play, and John combos off, casts four Goblin Electromancers, and just attacks the guy for, for 20 damage. Yeah. <laughs> that, is, that is perfect. That is hysterical and fun and positive, and let's make things like that happen. Where John punts horribly and still somehow gets Demise a win. It's great. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, like, Twin, I feel like Twin and um, and Pod are just sort of like, I think Splinter Twin especially, personally, I think is the bigger offender. I mean, Pod is hateable. I, the deck is not uh, not necessarily fast. It is a little grindy, but I think that, you know, so long as you can interact, it's, it's disruptible. But- Pod is such like a not fun card to play against. It makes the game state super repetitive. It is obviously one of the most powerful cards in the set. And in all their cases, like they, you, you ban tutor effects, right? They don't want repetitive games that have this, you know, follow the same script. That's exactly what Pod does. It converges all your different games into one thing that you always do. Yeah, there's some other couple of you know quirky ways to try to win games. But then again, the Pod player is kind of solo playing, trying to figure out which of my seven different combo interactions will make me win this game. And the opponent's kind of sitting there saying, okay, well, I'm waiting for you to kill me now. Um, and if any deck is, is, is too good with Jace, it's actually going to be twin, right? Because it's this, like, insane combo kill shell. It, it doesn't take out many slots. It's to play awesome control elements if it wants to. So I agree completely. Like, let's get those two decks out of the format and then see what's left. And I think it'll get a much more interesting format. Zoo will be a thing. Yep. Right? Zoo can't beat twin. That's the real problem. Correct. Um... Which I was surprised to find out. Like we thought that would be a good matchup for Zoo, and it just isn't. No, and and I think that the problem is is it's uh, it's the one four, right? Yeah, the one four is great. And just Spellsky, right? Like Spellsky <laughs> absorbs the path. Yeah. And twin and, and Zoo can't afford to play that many ways to remove a Deceiver expert from play. Yeah. Yeah, the X four. So, I don't know. I mean, I, I really enjoyed the format. I like a lot of the, the decks are good, the interactions are good, you know, like, and I just, Twin makes me crazy. It's just a, yeah, it needs to go. It needs to go. Yeah, I think if, if, you know, if you're banning, you can very reasonably ban Splinter Twin and Pod, given the current ban list, the current philosophy, and then just, like, mix it up and make people, because that will really shake things up, and people have to, and I also wouldn't mind them banning Living End. I think that card's just stupid. 
<laughs> it's just it's just like a silly thing that like sits there and preys on one specific type of deck in a really non interesting way, and, and it's just you know it's it's not I think where they want the format to go. It's not too powerful, but it's just like really just lame, right? It's just, those are just lame games of Magic. Yeah, they're not fun to watch. They're not interesting to play. Like, does anyone want to watch Kai and um, and Hetrick sit there for like? Nine turns as they God. Not, they both fail to go off repeatedly. Painful, absolutely painful. Yeah. Pulmonary Mage beatdown. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, Electromancer beatdown. I mean, yeah, it's oh, the same thing. Right? they attack right they attack. That's you know, it's like some grizzly bears going after each other. No, I think like you can do a lot with that format. I like just really taking, and maybe you wait for the Pro Tour to do it. Maybe you don't do it for like a GP, but I like just like really shaking it up and taking. And basically, their attitude, I think, should be we are going to really aggressively ban it on banned cards. It's going to change frequently, right? Like, we might ban Twin for this season, but it might come back next season. Mm-hmm. I understand the concern there where, like, modern decks are now so expensive that if someone invests $1,000, they don't want to be the kind of very, you know, fickly ripping that out of their hands and saying, sorry, your deck's no good anymore. And I don't have a great solution for that. That's, I think, their real problem. But they would love for modern, you know, thinking about it kind of philosophically, modern should be the bridge between standard and, and other formats, where my deck just rotated out of standard. It'd be awesome if, like, I could add a couple of like, cool new older cards to it, and it's still somewhat competitive. Yeah. And that won't happen when you have such oppressive, you know, powerful decks like Splinter Twin. Nothing in modern, a modern standard form will ever be able to compete with that. No, agree. Agree. I mean, like, all the fair decks are still reasonable. Like, you can, you can play... Like, you can play Modern Zoo, for example, against most of the decks that are in standard format right now, and it's a game. Like, it's actually a game. Right? Sure. Um, whereas, yeah, like, you're right. Splinter Twin just fucking crushes everybody. It's gross. Gross. And you have to have access to the right hate cards. I think that, like, the sideboard cards being so powerful in the format is also one of the defining characteristics, I think. And it yeah, is... That's why you had to ban cards like Ponder and Preordain, because you could just dig for your, like, extremely powerful silver bullets. Yeah. And the games all become who draws their answer spells, right? Like, for the, think about Storm versus Affinity, right? I'm playing Storm. I have three Shatter Storms after board. My opponent probably has, like, a couple of Relic of Genesis and maybe, like, uh, Aether Storm Candidates, like, a Rule of Law or something. And it's, okay, well, whichever one of us draws the right thing gets to win this game. And the rest of our decks basically don't matter. Right? He's going to kill me on turn four or turn five, even with a bad draw, maybe turn three with a good draw, so I know exactly how long I have to find my thing. And I'm going to kill him on turn three or turn four, so he's exactly that one to find his thing. And then you just kind of turn your hand face up, add three cards and see who won, almost. Yeah. Well, except for That's the fact fun. that if you're playing Storm, uh, 50% of your cards say draw card. Right. Yeah. Well, that's the thing that uh, PV's always been complaining about is just how powerful sideboards are in modern. Yeah. And how it's just so sideboard-centric. Yeah, I mean, the decks are all just, like, very pushed and very narrow. Mm-hmm. And so you want to find... There's, and there's very powerful answers to narrow threats. If you're playing, like, Jund, it's very hard to... There's no, like, sideboard trump card because your deck is just, like, all just good cards and they all do kind of broad things. And the more formats become like that, the more... It, less important, like, individual sideboard slots become. Yeah, makes sense. Uh, any so legacy, you just want to see true name band? Yeah, I, I I'm worried they might ban sneak attack, and I'm worried because I just bought a bunch of them that I want to sell. <laughs> okay. 
That's my speculation card. Good luck. If you try to follow me, I've never made a dollar speculating on magic cards. <laughs> well, especially if you just recently bought them because they literally just went up. Yeah, yeah, they went up by like a little bit after. So I bought them the weekend that apparently Star City bought out like four different dealers. Oh, okay. So you got in at the. I got price? in at like a reason. I don't. So I don't even know. For all I know, I bought them after they went up, and I'm stupid. But I think I got in at a good price. Okay. Um, I think that is the only other card you could consider banning in Legacy, and I think it doesn't really need to be like it's the format's fine. That deck's not even that powerful. Mm-hmm. Um, I, and I only mention because I've heard people talking about banning it, and it just seems crazy to me. Like, Trinium Nemesis is just silly, right? Again, it makes these game states that are so not very interesting, non-repetitive, I'm sorry, very repetitive, and I just don't like the card much, so I'd love to see that, that sort of card get banned. Um, yeah. Other than that, I think there's a lot of interesting room for new stuff. You know, I think we're seeing, like, Edric Spymaster of Tress, which right now I need to remember, I need to go buy some of those. That's another yeah. good speculation target. I'm going to buy them while we keep talking. Um, there's ones. There's foil ones now? How? Yeah, they're like in the, the commander's arsenal. Jeez. Oh, man, this thing already moved. It's already $15. I don't know if I'll be there. Holy shit. Foil ones are 25 Good lord. Holy shit. I got a Japanese one. Well, you're probably like a millionaire then at this point. <laughs> you're yeah, probably a millionaire at this point. Yes! Crushed it. A million-dollar millionaire. There's some site that shows you, like, price histories. I can never remember what it is, but it's a cool site. MTGGoldfish.com? That's the one. You guys are so helpful. Scott, why did Star City Games buy all the sneak attacks? Like, I haven't... I haven't right? been... they, like, they love pushing, uh... What the hell? Yeah, Spymaster doubled in value in the last, like, couple weeks. So, so the Spymaster trust the uh, Commander's Arsenal version, the foil one, was... Eight dollars until a week ago. A week ago, and now oh, it's shit. it's thirty eight. It's dropped since it hit thirty eight. Oh my god! And now it's down to like twenty six. Story of my life. I cannot catch a break. Why can't I ever just do the things I mean to do? I've been, playing, I've been trying to buy something for the longest time. I keep forgetting. Can I just do the things I mean to do? Hey, he peaked at BrianKibler dot com. It's all been downhill since then. <laughs> <laughs> if anyone wants to trade me like ten Edricks for BrianKiller dot com, we can probably make that happen. Nice, nice. There you go. <laughs> there you go. There's a couple other questions that I got. Uh, Sam's fault. Sam wrote an article talking about how he thought Edric a spy master Tress has like a lot of potential. Yep. And that was it. I hope he bought like a thousand of them first. <laughs> uh, question was: uh, Any new scumbag stories? We caught Alex Burn cheating, cheating again. Oh my god! I totally. You know what? You mentioned the, the filthy cheater, and you made the comment earlier about the. And I was one hundred percent going to ask you about the uh, Sarge. We caught a hanger. Like what happened? Um. So I'm telling a story that I only heard secondhand. Understood I, completely. I fully one thousand percent believe it's true. Um, <laughs> if you believe something more than thousand percent, the maximum humanly possible. <laughs> uh, it's, it's, it's like, I think it's embarrassing for everyone involved. Um, so, Virgie's playing, and a professional player who I don't want to name, but a very, very well respected one. I should not kid him. I think he posted a public statement, didn't he, about this? Yeah, he did, yeah. So, Mr. Paul Rietzel, who I believe is basically as close to impeccable character as you can have and be a professional magic player. Concur. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
is sitting at the next table over and is watching because his match is finished and sees Alex Bernchini playing against some guy playing with creatures and he casts Supreme Verdict. And the way he casts it is the way you, you know, he picks up some of his lands, stacks them so it's a, a, a Temple of Enlightenment on top and turns them sideways and plays Supreme Verdict, leaving up a white mana and another mana. His opponent happens to have a mutable in play. Purely coincidentally, I'm sure. Paul then, since he was paying attention, noticed that before Alex picked up his lands, he picked up a blue-black duel, a blue-white duel, and two islands. And with that type of mana, you cannot actually cast Supreme Verdict. That spell costs two white mana. Yeah. So Paul circles around behind him, looks at his hand, sees sitting there on top, ready and waiting, a last breath for that, that mutable, says, excuse me, that spell costs two white mana, you only spent one white mana. As the players begin to resolve this, he sprints to the head judge and says, you want to go over to that table, I think someone may have been cheating. And he just says, great, cool, thanks. Doesn't move. After the round is over, Paige is burdened she needs to the front of the, of the room to ask him what happened. Did not investigate in the moment. Did not go over there and see if they cheated. Did nothing. Just pages him to the front. Asked him what happened. He said, oh, well, I only had five mana, not six. I didn't even have the last breath in my hand. Wow. And Paul's like, well, you had six mana, and you were holding last breath. I, could, I looked at both these things. At which point, Bernie accuses Paul of, of having a personal vendetta and lying to the judge to try to get him DQ'd from the tournament. What the fuck? So he has now made it Paul's word against his. He could have been like, hey, it's a misunderstanding, I don't understand. No, he's like, no, Paul is intentionally lying to get me banned from this tournament. Wow. Kind of like the dream spot, right? Like, Bernchini is literally wow. back in such a corner, he's floundering, he's grasping at anything, that he's now literally accused Paul of intentionally lying. And the judge finds the shot and anything and lets him go. What? Yeah, it was pretty, pretty tilted. And who was the head judge for this event? Uh, Christiana something or other. She's the Italian L4, yeah. I think. Really? Yeah, she does all the Canadian tournaments. She used to do all the stuff for uh, Ness. Yeah, I was sad. I was very sad that she did not DQ him on the spot and then let him get banned. I'm still optimistic that they might ban him because there are a lot of witnesses and a lot of people pushing for this to take place. So it's not, you know, it's, it could still, we could, we could save this. Who knows what's going to happen? I just can't. Like, once a cheater? Like, oh my god. I understand they don't want to use that, because again, you don't want to scarlet letter someone, but... And sure, maybe he did just instantly accidentally tap his mana. He just happened to have a, a last with his point, just happened to have a mutable. It was going to happen to put his life under a lot of pressure, such that he really, really was important for him to kill it that turn, because the next day he wanted to play a different white spell. Yeah, it could just be coincidence. Was it day one or day two, do you know? Day two. It was like around 11, around 12. So that's harder. That's harder to fix. Because, like, if it's a day one situation where you see somebody do that and you're like, okay, you know, this is just the total cheat, you can pause the game. You can step in and say, guys, stop, and then you can go find a judge. And that's the best thing. Never go to the head judge. The head judge is too busy, and the head judge is going to... They're going to do things on their time schedule. You just grab any judge. Because that judge is able to get that head judge to walk away from that table. And, like, that's the thing. Once you get one of those guys involved, then it's like, your investigation, everything has way more weight. Like, that's going to be the toughest part for Burton Cheney, is that, like, there's no judge involved. Until the head judge got involved, like, way later in it. If there was a judge at the table who's like, yeah, he had six mana, yeah, he had this, yeah, he oh, had yeah, that. Confirm the facts. And unfortunately, they couldn't find his opponent. Couldn't find his opponent. That's the hall. 
and we lost something. That's crazy. Yeah, so who knows what happens. I hope they ban him. He's a real piece of work. The the upside and the downside. The upside is is that it seems like it's habitual for him. So if it's not this time, it'll be the next. The tough part is is that there's going to be a next. Right, and between now and then he's going to cheat 30 different casual players because casual people are never going to catch him. If Paul didn't happen to be walking by and watching, yeah, he gets away with that. He does that probably 30 times a tournament. All the little things. And people are like, oh, whatever, it's not that big deal. It's going to be a mistake. No, like, those kind of things, like, they add up so much over the course of a tournament. Yeah, the last time there probably gave him, like, multiple percentage points in that game. Yeah. Absolutely. Like, that is the swingiest of turns. If he rats and, like, uh, gets the mutable, like, he's in such a strong position. He's playing yeah. against Jack, right? Like, that's, that's the dream turn. Good yeah, lord. Yeah, it's unfortunate. Well, that. That's my scumbag story. Uh, I have an anti-scumbag story. Okay. Is and it that, from ooh. Paul Rietzel's perspective? <laughs> no, I'm just, 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 just that same weekend, uh, you know, there's, or maybe it was the next weekend, the Sam Black, Elf yeah. Stack thing. Sure. Which, obviously, I'm biased. I'm a very good friend of Sam's. Uh, I like Sam a lot. I trust Sam implicitly uh, and a ton. But I think even kind of impartially, look, you watch that video, and like, even Baggins, so there's a logical framework, right, where like, that would be like the worst spot rationally to cheat, and Sam's a very rational person, that just like, would be so bizarre to run that cheat for the next to no gains. Like, Sam won out and still didn't make top eight, right? He's playing for like literally $25. What, what happened, so, for the people that, that don't know? Oh, sorry, what's that? What happened for the people that... Oh, so like, Sam's playing SCG, he's at like X1 and 1 or something, or X2 and 1 and playing elves against some guy. Uh, Sam starts his turn with just an elvish visionary in play, and in his upkeep, his opponent blows pernicious for two, which doesn't make any sense, kind of, but the opponent does that. And they're like, okay. Sam then takes a 15-minute turn. I don't think I'm exaggerating. Wow. The turn goes yeah. on forever. Sam draws his entire library and is shuffling back in Green Sun's units to not deck himself with his, with his um, Glimpse of Natures. He's glimpsing, he's just, he's just, uh, he's infinite mana, and he's just casting Green Sun's for zero to make another card in his library so he can keep drawing. Because he, if two of his Green Sun's got discarded back of all therapy, so he can't put three in. Otherwise, he could just draw his whole library and be very easy. Yeah. yeah. He's trying to like, he's, like, do it the hard way. Um, so he gets like the end of this thing, realizes that he's like, not going to have enough mana to actually, or not enough cards in the library to draw all, enough creatures to put them all into play. He has like 19 creatures in hand, he needs to cast them all into play because he became lethal. But he can't play them all because he'll deck himself from the, the, the uh, only having two greens on Zenith. So they okay, it looks like he's like, I guess I, all my guys are summoning sick, right? So I'm dead. And the guy's like, no, you had that Elvish Visionary in play at the start of the turn. And he's like, okay, yeah, okay, sure. Well, then I, I play Behemoth and kill you. You know, untap with my, like, my guy who untaps elves, kill you. The guy's like, yeah, okay, they scoop him up. Obviously, the, he had one in play, but that one died. Then the first play he started with was a Visionary. And then, yeah, and then he played visionary like super early on, and so he and he, he so he like it was like okay I guess I'm dead I feel like all my creatures are summoning sick is one of the correct things and no one is not he's like okay I guess you're right sure obviously he, he didn't like know for a fact he should have thought more about it like that would have been the right thing to do but here he's like he didn't so you can accuse him like yeah he should have been more like investigative about what's going on but that's why you know it's been. The term is so long and so complicated, he was just relieved to still be able to find a way to win. Yeah. I think. Um, and I don't think he thought to himself, hey, my guy's not... Because say he thinks this guy's summoning sick, but his, his opponent says that, that one's not. He can just be like, oh, well, I have this behemoth. 
It's a million. And the guy will just concede, right? He doesn't actually have to, he could win that deal without cheating. But just playing the behemoth and say, I have behemoth, trigger it. My guys get huge. And the guy's just going to scoop his cards up. Yeah, you could just Jedi mind trick. Easily. Easily. So I, I'm, I, I'm beyond convinced that Sam did nothing wrong. Um, that it was just a misunderstanding and, and just completely innocent. It is, it, it, you know, you have to draw a distinction between that and like the Alex thing. You know, for me, it's, it looks at like this, the totality of circumstances. But if you have people play on camera enough, everyone's going to do things wrong, right? Everyone's going to quote unquote cheat with no intention and no actual cheating. And you can put a story around any of it. It is awkward that, you know, that I'm choosing to put a story around Alex's thing that there was intention there and Sam's that there's not. That's my personal judgment. Um, I know from like my perspective at Worlds, Worlds 2012, I think Avison Block Limited. Um, I'm like very out of contention, but we're, we're playing and some guy in game one, um, I tap his bitter heart witch with my Avison priest and kill him. And as I'm picking up, as I'm picking up his cards, he looks at it, he's like, wait, my guy's a human. I'm like, oh shit, I'm sorry. I, I didn't realize bitter heart witch was a human. And I show him, well, I have this like feeling of dread in my hands so you were dead anyway. Like, okay, cool. Next game, turn five, he has a bitter heart witch. I try to tap him with Avison priest. He looks at me, he's like, it's still a human. Like, oh shit, I'm sorry. You know, Magic's really complicated. You don't focus on all the details. It's so easy to make mistakes like that. And if you see them on camera, it's easy to read a lot into it. And you have to be very careful not to over, over kind of value that. Um, look for repetitive behavior. Look for exploitable mistakes. Things that you know, you're never going to catch naturally, like mispaying for your, your spells. Um, that's the kind of stuff that I think is, is much more dangerous and needs to be more closely monitored than someone innocently you know, makes a mistake that was advantageous to them but could easily be, be an innocent mistake. I think that as professional players, you guys are held to that higher standard too, though, right? Like, like everybody assumes, well, you're a pro- professional player, you must play infinite, like, there's no reason for you to make these sloppy mistakes, you know, play tighter, and all sorts of people will come down and, and piss and moan and bitch. Um, I mean, tournaments are really long, you know, you, yeah. you, you went out drinking that, you know, on, on Saturday, you're, you're hungover on Sunday, like, any number of things would be going on, you just get distracted, you forget, well, you know, it's, it's, that is really, really complicated, and it puts a ton of, like, just strain on your brain to kind of pay attention to all the details. It's really just that something slips through the cracks, and, and it's going to happen if you, you know, you, when you play enough games. Almost always it's caught, and, and there's no problems, right? You don't, you don't hear all the stories of, like, when the player calls something on himself, yeah. you know? Like, it, I had to remember, like, I was playing for talking to a PTQ, and my opponent plays Tribal Flames. I'm at five. He Tribal Flames me down to four. We're down to one, right? He's like, flames you for four, uh, go. And I know that I have, a, I have a bolt in my hand that's going to be lethal. He doesn't know he's dead. And I have an Urborg in play. Like, actually, that, that tribal is for five. I have this Urborg. I'm at, you just killed me. He's like, oh, really? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm dead. And I pick up my cards, right? Yeah. That's a spot where almost every pro I know is going to point that out, right? Because that's how we play the game. And sometimes we'll make, make a mistake in our favor. Sometimes we'll make a mistake in their favor. But it goes both ways. And if you watch them, you'll see that. It's the spots like Alex where he is always advantageously tapping his mana and always making mistakes that benefit him. And you don't really see a lot of these camera plays where it's like, oh, okay, that makes sense. He did something that hurt himself. Or he pointed himself out on something. Yeah. Right? The range isn't balanced at all. And that's what I think that's what you really want to be watching for. Not any one individual incident where you try to jump on someone and, and, and try to read into it this, like, you know, intent to cheat. Uh, you want to watch for, like, that's the thing you need to watch for is, like, kind of how do they behave all the time? What's the balance of things? And I guess the other question too is, I mean, you got to figure what's your reputation worth, right? Like, I mean, you guys, 
you guys do okay and make a reasonable living as professional magic players. I mean, a lot of that is content production and, you know, like appearances on sites and doing all that sort of stuff, right? And, I mean, if you're notoriously a cheater, um, that's not conducive to that. At all. Like, the thing is, like, if you have a reputation for that, you might be able to milk that. But, like, I can't imagine Sam Black trying to be, like, a wrestling villain. He's not a heel, right? <laughs> no, he's, he's got zero heel. A Sam Black heel turn would be so insane. <laughs> it's like, he's, he's like, I don't know if you have a chance to read his article he wrote on Star City. You can, yeah. If you read it, you can like, feel his like angst and pain over having this happen and having his reputation called into question. Because he like, very, very deeply views, values and, and, and places a lot of weight on his role as an ambassador of magic to new people and to, like, kids. Like, he takes that really seriously. He tells the story, I think, in that article, and he certainly told me the story prior to that, of when, you know, he was, like, hanging around and, and was did to skip a tournament and got to go into his, like, high school or his grade school and present to this class of kids from one of his old teachers about magic and what it's like to be a professional magic player. And you, like, he was, like, took such joy in that experience that there's just no way for, like, any, for, like, any amount of equity, but certainly not for the... the tiny amount he's playing for in the Star City Games tournament, he's going to jeopardize that, which he values so dearly, to try to, you know, steal one win on camera. Like, cheating on camera, you have to be, like, real, real brazen, you know? Yeah. You have to be, just, you, you have to be, like, like almost like sociopathic about it. You can't help yourself. Right? Like, you, you hear the story about the classical cheaters, right? Like, Casey McCarroll, Casey could not help himself. He wanted to prove that he could get away with it against people who were intentionally watching him. There's like famous story about Ryan Fuller. Ryan Fuller got banned for cheating. He came back, and they assigned a judge just to watch every match and just stand over his shoulder. And he's like, look, this is outrageous. I'm just here to play a random GP. I haven't played Magic in, like, years. And he got so offended that this judge was, like, stalking him that he did every single cheat he knew once just to prove the judge couldn't catch him. <laughs> right? Like, that's the kind of mentality. Like, those are the guys who are cheating on camera. It's not the opportunity guy who's like actually trying to squeak out an, an EV advantage. It's terrible for your career EV to cheat on camera. Yeah. You know, you know it's the other thing too about like cheat like on camera. I mean, some of the old behavior. I mean, we've we've all heard the stories, right? And a lot of people that were very good back in the day that aren't in the Hall of Fame, you know, for a number of reasons. Um, I mean, back then it was it was commonplace to play with two hands, you know, like one on the table and one in your lap. Like I, I get that that was a thing. Um, like, by the way, it's like they, they can hold the cards in their hand. Like, there's a famous story about someone who survived a direct 14 cards in their hand because the way they like they layered the cards, yeah, you only see seven from the back and only can see seven from the front. Yeah, so it's like, like so gross. But like you would never be able to what pull the that. Fuck? Sh- yeah, yeah, you would never be able to pull that shit off on camera today. Oh God, no! Right, yeah, even off camera. Like, but there's like you know someone like I remember someone was joking. Um, again, old school player, but they, you know they they um. They drew 10 on their opener. It was, you know, normal. And uh, they got to rest, and their opponent's like, dude, you have 10 cards. He's like, okay, you're right. So he mulled into nine. He, he wanted to play fair. <laughs> it, should, it, it was like commonplace. And, you know, it, it's, it's, and today, you don't get those kind of cheats. No one is like, no one that I'm aware of is like a savage drawing extras now that we got rid of Marcio. Like, he was the last that really did that kind of stuff. Even Alex, you don't really hear a lot of stories of him you know, drawing extra cards. Maybe we'll put some back from a brainstorm. Like, you know, that was a cheat someone got caught with, but, like, he's not starting with 10 cards in his hand. But more insidious and more, and more in common even today is stuff like, um, 
uh, back then, out of her waist, it was your opponent's obligation to point at that point. If they didn't point at that point, you were not taking that damage. Oh, Jesus. Right? And that was the stuff that everyone did that they got, you know, that they viewed as, like, not their responsibility. They could be like, hey, my opponent should have caught that, and there's that point of damage. That's his fault. Yeah. He's trying to kill me, I'm not trying to kill myself. That mentality. And that's the kind of stuff that even today, like, you can so easily do that. Yeah. Right. That happens way more regularly to it, like big GPs and stuff, right? Like with, I mean, you you mentioned earlier. I mean, the attendances are getting so big. The events are getting enormous, and a lot of it is just people that are, you know, not like maybe it's their first GP, maybe it's their second. You know, they're not they're new to the game, or you know, they've they've been away for a while and they're coming back, and they're all rusty and whatever. And then you got the grinders that are just there to oh, yeah. grind pro points, and I mean. The bigger the GP, the looser the rounds, I think. Oh, for sure. And you get people that are just casual. I mean, I remember, so playing for day two at the modern GP in San Diego, I think it was. I'm playing this, like, you know, really nice, like, older gentleman, probably in his 40s, clearly a super casual magic player. He's playing Fish. Um, multiple times he plays uh, Silver Hill Adept and forgets to draw. Multiple times, you know, like, throughout the course of the match. He's a very casual guy. Three different times he's run to draw for his turn. Wow. And I'm like, Sir, hey, hold on, you, you, you have to draw another card. You, you didn't draw for your turn. He's like, hey, really? I'm like, yeah. He's like, oh, okay, thank you. And, you know, draws for, and I'm like, hey, here's where I draw. Like, I'm not going to remind you of the Silver Girl deck. I don't have to. Yeah. But I'm, I do not want to win this game of Magic because my opponent, by exploiting my opponent, you know, not knowing what he's doing. Right? Yeah. Like, he has to draw a card for his turn. That is the rules. So I'm going to tell him to do that. And he ended up beating me with a card I reminded him to draw, which was a little salty. And I, you know, I was like, man, that sucks. This guy's like, you know, obviously, like not very good and very casual. But I would have felt so much worse if I had just like not let him draw his card. Yeah, because you know, and you gotta, and I mean, like, it's one thing again for him to be sort of an old, you know, in his forties, whatever. I, I don't want to say older gentleman for a guy that's in his forties when I turn thirty-five this weekend. Um, <laughs> but uh, but I mean, like, even if it had been that thirteen-year-old kid that. You know, like, I mean, we, we watched Huey face off, uh, play a win in it against, like, a 13-year-old or something. Sure. Right? I mean, like, what if it had been that kid? It doesn't matter. That, that, that exactly. Is this. Whoever you're playing against, there are rules for magic, and you need to win within those. Yeah. And I have no, no tolerance for someone, you know, oh, my opponent didn't deserve to win, so why am I going to draw his card? You might draw his card because that's the rules. We play by the rules. And sometimes it's, it, it sucks, and it's and this is why they changed the trigger rules, right? It would have felt really bad for me to say, no, you draw a card for your soul real adept, don't forget that, you know, every time he tries to do that one. But drawing for your turn, that one's still not an optional one, you have to remind him. Yeah, and yeah. so it's just play by the rules, it, you know, it, it's... Don't taint your victories by, by getting there through, through that kind of shady stuff. And I do think, well, it is still cheating, right? Not random draws cards versus you draw extras every time you change they don't, they turn the, you know, they turn around. Those are very different types of cheats. I think one is way scummier than the other. If you're intentionally like practicing how to stack your deck at home versus my opponent in a moment of weakness, I let him not draw for his turn. Very different. Both yeah. are still cheating. Yeah. Don't cheat. Simple. If you have to cheat, don't play. Or go play Yu-Gi-Oh! I hear they all yeah, cheat. Yeah, go play Yu-Gi-Oh! Wasn't it Smitty who was saying that he cheats against his buddies, him and his brother or something, all the time? <laughs> remember that? Do you guys remember that? From like the, the, They were talking about how they all like try to draw extra cards all the time and stuff? <laughs> I don't remember. 
There was, so when I was living in Vegas right after the bar exam, this was like 2007-ish, uh, two old school pros who I will not name names, uh, both of whom are now, I, I, one of them still plays magic is, is certainly clean now and certainly does not cheat, but when he's a kid, he cheated. Um, they're, they're there, we're doing this like invasion block draft, and they decide they're going to wager a case of energy drinks or some, some equally like, ridiculous stakes, like funny stakes in this match, and they agree there's going to be no holds bars. <laughs> Okay. And I've, every turn, they're like drawing three in one motion. It's like sick. But if you catch another person, they have, to, they have to undo it. And then, then they can't repeat that cheat if they're caught doing it. Was like basically the way it was played out. And it like was for the rest hilarious. of the match or what? Yeah. If, if you get caught doing some cheat, then you're like banned from doing that cheat again in that game. Nice. Basically. <laughs> and man, there was one guy played the same lightning bolt like, you know, multiple times. Just, <laughs> and that was just, it was like fun to watch. But yeah, it's uh but imagine if like some like superstar magician comes and plays magic. Yeah. Well somebody somebody tweeted the other day and I didn't I didn't get to watch the video to check the context. It was a TED talk. They tweeted like, watch this guy's amazing sleight of hand, and then in like that was like the name of the video or something. And then in the tweet they also said, Be careful for this guy at tournaments. He could be a savage cheater. And then, like, there was there was judges that were retweeting that. As if, like, and I, but I didn't recognize the guy's name or face or anything about it, whether or not he plays magic. But, like, but yeah, like, that's, I, I could see, like, like magic tricks are wildly, wild, widely available online. Yeah. Um, and I could see people like, like Alex being like, well, obviously, like, I'm not going to stop cheating. So I better it's just. just so damn lazy. You know? He's just too lazy. He's not going to do it, put that much work into it. But you think so? Like, like there, there's, there's something to be said of people who like are lazy in terms of doing hard work, but you know they'll put as much effort into just trying to, you know, I guess do it the easy way. Do you know what I mean? Like, like it's an old adage that like parents say all the time. You know, if you put this much effort as you're putting into, I don't know, whatever. Yeah. I was gonna say, by the, you know, as a kid, I always put so much work in getting out of doing chores. Yeah. But if you and, just, and, and I still end up having to do the chores. Just like I was incinerating my my time. But yeah, my yeah. mom was like, if you worked half as hard doing the chores you spend getting out of it, you'd be done and be doing whatever you want to be doing right now. I just could not learn that lesson for, for quite a while. Yeah, so like, you know, I feel like Alex is that kind of person. Like, I feel like he'll just be like, rather than not cheat and actually try to get better, because he's got to have some skill if, you know, he's at least able to cheat his way into to sure. well a tournament. So he has to have some skill. He has to know how the game works anyway. Um, I feel like he just, he'll, he'll just you know, do sleight of hand to try to do the whole seven and seven. <laughs> we'll see. I think those those kind of cheats are like just they're so hard to get away with now because they're, they're much easier to catch and people are more aware. Yeah, and I do think like they're not actually that easy to pick up. So we'll see, but uh, hopefully that's not uh, he doesn't go in that direction. Yeah. Yeah, I was a. So, uh, Vintage Masters is coming. It is. Is this something that uh, the winningness player in Legacy might be interested in? I'm excited to check it out. Hopefully it'll be fun. I mean, Vintage is really fun to play. Like, I had a blast streaming it with, with Raptor, and I look forward to doing that some more. So, yeah, like, let's get Vintage on Moto. Nice. Yeah, I think that uh, I think that there's a huge appetite for it, obviously, and I think that uh, that's never more evident than during the Cube. 
which uh, which is back now. Have you had a chance to play any cube drafts yet? I haven't. No, I'm probably gonna do one uh, tonight after this. Is actually nice. Um, Jay is obviously a uh, a significant cube advocate. Um, what uh, what are you seeing? Um, uh, have there been many changes to the cube right now? Like uh, for the for the Moto Cube, Jay, were you were you looking? No. Do you like this, this cube, Jay? Uh, generally I don't, but I, yeah. I, like, I just, I, I don't, there, like, there's a couple of things about cube that, like, about the general moto cube that I don't like, like, not just gen- this one, but, like, gen, in general, I find, like, I don't really like that they, like, that they force archetypes, and the reason I don't like that is because it turns a lot of casual slash new slash people that have heard a lot about cube but have never played it. Um, people off of cube because they'll jump on to play and they'll open a pack that has a bunch of good stuff in it, but let, like nothing like super awesome, like no moxes or lotuses or anything like that, but just things like like Gideon and Elspeth and a sword and a wrath and you know and like a Savannah Lions or something, and they know like oh Savannah Lions is like you know like good for this aggro deck maybe and and Elspeth's an amazing card, Gideon's an amazing card, swords are obviously so good and they um. They'll take stuff just thinking like, oh, I'm just going to draft like a blue-white control deck. Look at all these Planeswalkers and Counterspells I have. And then they look at cards like that don't really fit into maybe like like a Storm card. Like that doesn't really fit by itself, but they don't realize that there's like a Storm deck. Right. And they just get like super blown out on like turn two by something like that. <laughs> and, and then like that's just, that's just not fun for anybody, right? So, yeah, I think like the archetypes they do choose the push. Yeah, there's too many like hidden little things you unlock. Like Storm's a real culprit there. Storm, yeah. like, reanimator is like pretty not intuitive to new players. Although I think you do need reanimator in the cube, but maybe think, something think, like yeah, like I think it's a necessary evil. Um, but it's 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 exactly like it's like it's it's awesome to do the turn one or the turn two reanimate your guy, win the game. But it's also like terrible to play against that. Right. When you're and like I said, when you're new and like I I like for me, like I try to like I have a cube and I'm very proactive and, and try to get as many people into it as I can because I think it's a really cool format. And um so for things like that for me it's like well, you know, I try to make my cube not not like super wide open, but not super narrow either. And and it's sure. so that people can kind of they can get a better feel for drafting it because there's not like a, a turn two or turn three, you know kill every time you know like they're playing they're actually going to get to play some magic like it's almost like modern like i don't really like modern because i find that if you need to like to play a a modern deck you have to either be able to kill somebody on turn four or stop them from killing you on turn four and that's it that's like the whole that's the whole format so i i like i'm not even interested in it at all um because of stuff like that because like i find like it's so like creatively stifling and then there's a lot of times where i don't know what's going on and i'm dead I just die. And I find like this cube, this especially this new iteration is kind of like that because they're pushing some of the archetypes like that, you know? Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, but yeah, like so so like I don't know, like you've obviously looked at the changes, like what do you kind of think versus the last time they had cube out? I actually haven't looked at the changes. Oh. Okay. Um, I in general I don't really find their their non-holiday cube fun. Yeah. The whole thing about the cube is fun because like, it's just unabashedly broken, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
And I'm fine with that. Like, you know what you're getting into. You're going to do some cool stuff. It's going to be fun. Let's go nuts. This cube is just like, you open a pack, it's like, I don't want to take a single card. These cards are all just not fun to play with, and they're all pretty bad. Yeah, exactly. And you're just like, wow, fun. And then there's a couple cards that are just like way better than everything else. It's like the power drop off is like kind of dramatic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I assume this one, this current version, like doesn't have signets in it. I'm guessing. No, I don't think so. I think it has like uh, the prism that gains you the the sorry the the colorless mana thing gains you life at the same time. Yeah, yeah, the three mana one. That thing's pretty yeah. medium. I'm actually I'm actually trying to find. Cube and I, listen, I'm failing to find it. I want to see. It was on. Um, I think it was this week, but I think it was on a like. There's a there's a um a gather like a I'm sorry a mothership article that shows all the cards. Oh, awesome. Okay, so here you can see. Did it show ins and outs, or it just shows the list? It just shows the list. Yeah. So who knows? Like, I mean, I assume. You know, it's it's probably the same it's been for a while. Like, let me see. The Brutal Offender for me is like, does it still have Mana Crypt in it, or did that come out? Uh, I think Crypt's out. Thank goodness. That card is just, like, so absurd. <laughs> yes. Tom, if you opened a pack that had Soul Ring and Mana Crypt in it, would you take the Soul Ring? Yeah, definitely. I think Soul Ring's the best card in Magic. Really? Yeah. What? <laughs> That's fine. That is fucking crazy to me. When we did vintage rotisserie drafts, which you know, they caught on for a little while, um, I was oh, I would have always taken Solar and pick one back one. Even if Mana Crypt is in the pack, yeah, I think you, I think like, maybe it's different in Cube than in Vintage Rotisserie. Although I don't think it is. It's very similar. My kind of order is um, Soul Ring, Lotus. Ancestral what? Crypt, I think. Oh my god. That's bonkers to me. I could, could sort of be convinced that I'm wrong. It just, I feel like there's enough aggressive decks that the, you know, the Crypt dealing six to you yeah. of course the game is like a pretty big deal. It's a big, big issue, yeah. Now, if you are playing an aggro deck yourself, then you'd rather have the Mana Crypt than the Soul Ring. But only marginally so. And, um, in both cases, I feel like most of the aggressive decks now actually can't even really take advantage of them because they don't have much colorless mana in their costs. It's a lot of colored mana. Mm-hmm. Like, you might almost even rather have Lotus in those decks. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I'm actually, I'm actually quite surprised that you said that you would take a Soaring over a Lotus. That's what I thought then, although I, I could certainly be convinced that I'm wrong. I don't know if that's not a strongly held view. I think those are the top two cards. Right. And then the top four are very clearly those are Lotus, Crypt, Soul Ring, Ancestral. Yeah. Those are the top four, and I think that Mox Sapphire is number five. Huh. So, so is, is, like, is the reason that you take the Lotus not over Soul Ring because of just, like, like because of the removal in cube is so good that the, the amount that it puts you ahead is not actually that great or what? Yeah, I think it's having the recurring effect of being two and up is just like it's so massive for multiple turns. It also depends on what cube you're in, right? If you're in a cube where you're trying to like play like primeval titans and stuff, um, well, it's the primeval titans specifically, you'd rather have lotus, but um, 
we're trying to play, you know, just like up curve stuff, like multiple, yeah. just large, larger creatures. Yeah. Mid, like a mid rangey creature deck, right? Soul Ring's way better than Lotus. Yeah. Because just ramping out your one, you know, playing Thrawn on turn one, who cares? If you were followed up with like, a, also with like overpowered threats. Whereas if you go like turn one, so, you know, turn one, Soul Ring, turn two, Thrawn, turn three, you know, Plow Under, turn four, Perennial Titan. Yeah, that's also good, I guess. Like, having it be persistent over multiple turns, I think, is really powerful. Yeah. That's interesting, because, like, I would I would think that, like, I find in my experience that cards like Soul Ring and Mana Crypt lose their value, uh, like, almost exponentially as the game goes on, unless you're doing, like, degenerate things like Plow Under and then Primeval Titan, where you're so far ahead that it doesn't matter. And I, and I think that variance is just what's playing into that. Like, I find that, that, like, in my experience, I find Mana Crypt is exponentially better than Soul Ring in terms of putting you ahead because of that crucial first and second turns where, like, maybe they have a slow draw or a tap land or a bounce land or a bird. Like, they, you play a guy, and then they, they kept, like, land bird into something else that is going to let them go off, but you're able, because you're, like, you're at five mana at that point, that you can kill it. Whereas, like, on turn two, if you're going, like, Second land, play a soaring. You now only have like probably one colored mana. Maybe you can do something degenerate, but you're not doing two things that are degenerate. You know what I mean? Uh, it matters. I would say it matters a lot if there's signets in the cube. If you have signets, yeah. I think then soaring could get way better. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Right, because the compounding effect of turn one land soaring signet, turn two like whatever the hell you want to do. Yeah, literally any card in your deck probably. Yeah. yeah. So in a non-signet based cube, I could definitely see. Lotus being better than those. Hmm. I, I like the fact that, like, subtle things like that are kind of what, and I haven't really thought through these issues, right, this is kind of on the fly, but I, I like that cube construction can subtly shift kind of the power level of those top cards. I think it's definitely interesting. Um, I'm not a huge fan of Signets in cube. I think they push, things, I think they push the, the artifacts too far myself. Hmm, hmm. You just have too much fast mana, especially yeah. in this time. Yeah. Yeah, and, like, I don't know. I like I think, like you said, too, with where, like, it kind of depends on the aggro decks. I think it depends on how good the aggro decks are, too. Like, I can't... I'm trying to think of a situation where I wouldn't want Mana Crypt, because I feel like, no matter what the aggro deck's doing, I'm so far ahead, I'll just kill their guy, their stupid guy. You know yeah, I, mean? I think, like, you usually aren't playing that much removal. In cube, you want to be more proactive. Maybe like a wrath or two. I certainly think like crypt is still very good. Like we actually cubed last night with a couple of beginner players from my office, and then me and Matt Sperling, another very experienced player. And I got uh, my cube was unpowered, but had crypt in it. Yeah, that's what mine is right now. Uh, and I got crypt third in pack one and took it over a jet. Yeah, I had two people who never really hadn't played magic much beating me. And crypt is not a card that like screams power to them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then I tend to take it over. I went to pick one. I took Titan Prelin first, Sword of Fire and I second, and then took Crypt over uh, Omazawa's Jit third. Holy shit! Like, and Crypt is pretty insane with swords. Yep. But it wasn't even like that ridiculous. My deck was still very, very good. Um, but I think, like, yeah, you know, it's 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 certainly like a very, very powerful card. I think it's one of the top five cards in every cube. Yeah. Yep. I would agree, probably. But this Motocube has none of these fun things. It has lame stuff, like just like um, stunted growth and 
<laughs> yeah, how excited am I supposed to get for stunted growth? That's not even close to like one of the biggest events. I'm actually looking for like there's so many just awful black creatures. Just yeah. give up. Just give up. You cannot make black a creature based deck. It looks like they cut a lot of them. I don't know who they are. <laughs> yeah, a Phyrexian Obliterator, not a cube card. Plague <laughs> Sliver, not not what you want to be doing. Yeah, what the fuck? Like, why is Plague Sliver in this cube? Because they uh, didn't put Jasm Jin in or something? You can get a very, very awesome mediocre black deck, though. You have like, a lot of choices. I mean, like, there's a lot of... Oh, Gatekeeper Malakir, pretty sweet. Headhunter, you know. Yeah. And Tuco Shade, like, Hand of Cruelty. Like, these are not playable cube cards. <laughs> you know what Blue has, right? Blue still has, like... Every blue card is like 10x those, the power level of those. Oh my god, Headhunter is from Onslaught, is a 1-1 for 2 mana. Whenever Headhunter deals combat damage to a player, that player discards a card, and it has morph. Yeah. What the fuck? Oh my god. Oh my god, that card is so bad. I've never even heard of that card before. Oh sweet, so Blistering Fire. There's like a lot of morphs running around, right? But when, when you're playing Headhunter and your opponent then plays like Jace... Mind Sculptor and Brainstorms. <laughs> how are you supposed to feel about how this game's progressing? Yeah, like you on turn one, you're like, haha, fuckface, Gouldra's assassin. <laughs> and they're yeah, like, they're like any other card. Fucking any card kills, kills you. You're dead. You're stupid. You die. Yeah, so I think this cube, I think like blue green is probably the best. Either blue green or blue red, right? You don't want to be like the wildfire deck or you want to be the ramp deck. Yeah. Yep. Like in every unpowered, I feel like it's just like a very like blah cube that matches like every other cube. Yeah. And then no. also on top of that has like a l- overall like I don't want casting brooding saurian. I'm good. Thanks. Like, yeah. What is that? Oh my god. Also, like you know what I think is really interesting with uh, black in a lot of cubes. It like so like a lot of people play cube and they they play it really close to the heart of the of the whole idea where it started where you have like x amount of cards of each like color slash gold and artifact right, right. make six or whatever right so um like but black is easily the worst coloring cube uh yeah by far and then it is worse for two reasons it's worse for power level like it's the worst easily for power level and it's also the worst for like its own color identity like you can do multiple things uh in in multiple and like in all the colors but they all have like an identity of what they're doing and and you know like oh yeah this is a white card or like oh yeah this guy's playing the blue deck and whatever whichever version of that he's playing it feels very blue the black cards are all just either shitty or they're just support cards like any deck can play doomblade any deck will splash for that right any deck can like you can like uh, like the blue black deck just feels like you're playing the best black cards, which are removal and maybe tutors, and then all of just the regular blue cards that you would play anyway, you know, and uh, and like even things like Obliterator, like you don't really want to play mono black. It's it's like it's just not good enough. And uh, it's funny because now that I'm like talking about this and saying this out loud, uh, like mono black is something that I've been trying to push in my cube like really heavily because it's so bad. Like, black is such a bad thing, but it's like, you can't just cut black from your cube, right? Right. Like, that doesn't... That doesn't it's really hard to figure out beyond reanimator, like, what you can have black be doing as a primary thing, right? Yeah. Like, 
everyone tries to make like black be an aggressive color, I think, and it just isn't there. Yeah. It's just so much worse at it than either red or green. I mean, uh, red or white, excuse me. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, I mean, and it, on the surface, it's very, it's very deceiving because you have things like, you know, you have the carnophages, the dark confidants, the diagraph ghouls, like all the one and two drops like that. And then you have things like the bone shredders and the necrotals that you could like, and the that you could follow those up with, right? And things like Liliana's Reaver that, like, or you know, that, like appear to be cards that might be able to do something, right? And yeah. then, but it just turned like even things like Una's Prowler was a card that I was really like surprised that it's like a it's a three one flyer for two that they either pitch a card to make it a one one flyer or they or it just kills them, right? And so like people like. When you look at a card like this and you discuss it with people, you know, it's like, yeah, that card seems fine. Like, you know, you play a va- vampire lacerator into, like, an Una's, like an Una's Prowler, you have five power on the board, or they're just eating cards, which you want them to do anyway. Follow that up with a Bone Shredder for whichever blocker they have into, like, a maybe a Skin Render for the next blocker or something, or a Vampire Nighthawk. And you, it just never happens, and it's just... Yeah, it's never works that way. Like, it never works out that way, and then even if it did, you lose. You still lose the game. And it's just like, well, okay, I guess I'm just going to play 20 black cards, and they're just going to be all the reanimator spells and Grizzlebrand. Fucking sweet. Yep. So. And I can't come up with a solution yet, but we're trying. Yeah, and, and that's the thing. Like, that's the thing that's great about Cube. Like, I can change, you can change it all the time and every time, you know what I mean? And that's kind of part of the reason that I really like playing... Uh, like, my cube is like a 650-card cube, um, so that it's not, like, the same every time, and you can kind of... There's like it like the, the draft. There's decks, but the draft is always different. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I like stuff like that. What do you think of things like the bounce lands that they left in here, but with things like you know, um, strip mine and Dude, so it's just a yeah. trap. Like you, can't, they're they're literally unplayable in this cube. There's so much land destruction. Yeah, so like under. What's that? What's that? Plow under is and plow under in there too. Like, there's a, yeah, there's plow under, strip mine, wasteland. You know. Fulminator Mage, Avalanche yeah. Riders, Baboons, like... I'm sure fucking Wasteland's in here, did you see that? Wasteland, Sinkhole, yeah, there's like a million lands. Yeah, and like, so I have a buddy that has that played Cube one time with us, and he went turn one land, turn two bounce land, and got his bounce land, like, I don't know, strip mined or something, and he just, he has never played, he like, he, up until recently, has never played Cube again, because he hates that feeling. And now he will never, ever take any of that stuff because of that. And my cube has maybe four, and in the 650 cards, has maybe four cards that will kill a land. Maybe. Hmm. Like, it has Plow Under, Strip Mine, and Wasteland, and then I think it has Avalanche Rider. Still, I might have taken it out. Yeah, I think if you want the, if, I think it's perfectly reasonable to want something like that to be in your cube and be fun, but then you need to not push like LD. You can't yeah, have exactly. land pressure spells. Exactly. You're just and setting up people that blow themselves out. So it's just a game to see, do you realize that these bounce sets aren't good? And that's like not an interesting game, because once you get clued in, you know, and so everyone is just blown out once. Yeah, and then it's a trap, right? You just, like, trap the new guys that don't know that, and then you get them, right? So yeah. I, I think it's one of those things, like, I might, I might, I, like, eventually have to take out, I'm thinking about taking out my band's lines, because I recently just added uh, Life from the Loam, Wasteland, and Crucible of Worlds. Mm-hmm. And I didn't, I didn't add them to get that lock. Like that's just one of the factors. Um, like you know what I mean. Like I didn't, I, I didn't have those cards in my queue because I didn't really like see a reason to have them. I guess. Um, 
but I um, was talking to some guys, and they were suggesting them, saying they were good. And I have all the bounce, or I mean, I have all the fetches and stuff like that. And Life from the Loam seems like a very interesting card that maybe can set up some interesting interactions. But I've never played with it before. I don't really know how it works or what is good about it, slash, you know, what it enables. And then, um, but I think like you know, it's only going to take like one person to get strip mine locked for that. To ev- like for that to be just not okay, and and for the bounce bonds to have to come out, you know. Yeah. But it's like it seems so unfortunate because for me, I'm like I'm like trying to justify it by saying I have 700 cards in my cube, so that almost will never happen. But like, even if it happens once, it's like too many times. Yeah, yeah I yeah I still think they. Landers in general, yeah, at least like not fun games. Yeah. Uh, as you can tell, my co-hosts have lots to say about Cube. No, yeah, well, I mean, you know, I mean, you had so much to say about Modern, it's why we are so good for everyone. Uh, what do you, uh, this is something that, that Jeremy actually taught me about Cube, but um, in my experience, uh, players overvalue swords quite a bit, and, yes. under, and undervalue fixing even things like dual lands quite a bit. Um, when I used to, so I, and, and, and some previous versions of the Moto Cube, whenever I cared enough to like actually have like a, a mental card ranking, I had sort of body in mind as a top tier card. Yeah. None of the other swords, all the blue duels is top tier, all the blue fetches is top tier. Like, there's yeah. not a lot of cards that are taking over like a Tundra. Right, really. Yeah. See, and then for me, until I, until Jeremy showed me. I, there was not any card that I would take probably over a sword besides maybe Soul Ring or Manacrit. Yeah, I don't even... So most decks I play, like the swords would be in my sideboard anyway. Oh, uh, yeah. Okay. And, and the only sword that actually ends the game on its own is the blue-green one. Yeah. 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 Like it's by far... Also because it happens, I think, like, like blue and green are like usually two of the better colors in cubes. Um, so the protections are, are, are nice. You can attack through things. It actually will like end the game in two hits. Red white like sometimes will randomly kill you in two hits, but like not that often. Black white does nothing. Black green does almost nothing. Um, and then what's that leave? Like that could be relevant. Um, what's the last sword? Uh, blue red. Blue, blue red is fine, but it's like um, it's a, you know it's an incremental advantage card. Like you hit them two or three times and not win the game. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, still lose. Yeah. So yeah, I think swords. Blue green is very good. All the other swords are like a lot worse than 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 shit. Probably worse than skull clamp. Well, I think also skull clamp is overrated. You think it's overrated? It's great in its deck, but if it's I not, think it's, it's deck. Okay, yeah, and I, I think that's probably I think that's probably like meta dependent because like I find, for example, in my meta, like with the thirty people or so that I've ever played cube with, like that we play in our in our regular rotation, you'll get you'll get skull clamp like fucking last pick. Oh, okay, that's absurd. Yeah, I mean, like, it's I think that's... Like a very good card, and it should go, you know, no later than probably fifth in a typical pack. But, like, you have to do some work to make it, like, great. Yeah, like, it, it's just one of those things where, they, you know, like, people will say that things like equipment and stuff like that make your creatures worse because it puts so much onus on those and it makes their removal better. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, so since Jeremy showed me that, I've basically stopped drafting swords. <laughs> I'm sorry. You want all the swords are good in mono white. All the aggressive swords are fine in mono red. Only like blue green is like especially good in like other decks. 
Like, if you're like a green map deck, you'll still play blue-green to throw on an elf and hit them. Yeah. But, like, if, I play a blue, if I'm playing a green map deck and I, put the, and I put a Sword of War piece on my elf and hit you for five, like, who cares? That's in no way advancing my game plan, right? My game plan is to, like, beat you with, like, an Avengers Endicar or, like, a Real Tent or something. And you just, like, randomly lava axing you is like, just not helpful. Yeah. But I find, like, so it's interesting to me that you said that only certain swords are good in, like, say, certain, like, mono-white or the mono-red deck. But, like, I feel like, isn't an equipment, I guess this is the, the stigma, is, like, isn't an equipment like a sword? Like, it's so powerful. Isn't that, uh, isn't that, like, like just super powerful? You you turn all of your early guys into, you know, all, I think they're all good in mono-white. Because mono-white is, like, it needs the reach to have its guys be a little bit bigger. Mm-hmm. So many of Red's guys are, like, haste creatures or, you know, um, ball-lightning-ish kind of creatures that don't wear swords particularly well. Yeah. And you have other things they do with their mana in mono-red that I think they're not, like, they're still good. You still play all the swords in mono-red, but you're not, like, super thrilled by it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, in mono-white, I think you're happy playing all of them. Um, although black-white is just so bad. Um but in any other deck, like, just give your guy plus two, plus two. Like, Volshock Morningstar is not a card you want. Right, yeah. Okay, that's fair. It I mean, like... line up well, like, it can get you... It can steal games, but, you know... And I think, like, Blue-Red is a card you're happy playing elsewhere still. Like, I'll still play Blue-Red in my, like, green decks. Yeah. Although, like, I, I'm not, you know, thrilled about playing the other ones. Like, for instance, last night, my, my, I was playing White-Green. I had a Stoneforge Mystic. I had the Green-Black Sword and the Blue-Red Sword. And, like... There are times I didn't want to hit. I I would intentionally not equip my green black sword because I didn't want to give like my animator opponent a free discard. You know. Yeah. Yeah. There's lots of random things that can kind of come back to bite you, and yeah. the green black sword is like very under, like untapping your lands is like not that powerful because you don't have. It was awesome in standard in the Cobblade deck because you had a lot of permission in your deck. Right. Like your cube deck is not going to have like enough creatures to want the sword and then enough counter spells to like be able to use your untapped mana. So it's like not that important usually. Right. There you have it, cube players. Well, that was an extremely informative cube session. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I learned something. I feel like there was a <laughs> lot to learn. Yeah. Okay, see, like, the, the problem with that is, for me, is that none of my cube friends listen to the podcast because they're jerks. So, <laughs> so what's going to happen now is I'm going to have like some new... Like, it's like every time that we talk about cube with somebody who knows how to play cube, it's like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get, like, this new super advantage, and they're going to all hate playing cube with me again, because they're going to be like, what the fuck are you doing, Jay, passing me these swords? And I'm like, yeah, I took the tundra, and I'm going to murder you with it, while <laughs> yeah, you give me a free discard outlet, bitch. Yeah, these days, for me and cubing, like, not to think that I know all that much about cube, I don't think I'm a particularly great cube drafter, but... Uh, I'm kind of in, like the Greg Hatch school of thought. Like I have to do like wacky things. I love like Gregor Gargons, like one of my favorite cards. Balance, Wildfire, like that's my favorite deck in a lot of cubes. Mm-hmm. Is you know blue red kind of control, blue white red control decks, um, or green blue ramp decks. I think they're kind of the two archetypes. I don't like to draft mono red because I don't want to be that guy. Although it is probably the best deck in almost every cube. Yeah, yeah. The fun police is the best place to be. Yeah, but I'll let someone else do that. But yeah, that's my, uh, those are my, my general thoughts on Cube. Nice. There you have it. So, speaking of earlier, I wanted to address something before we 
moved on here. Because, uh, I don't know, maybe Tom thinks it's a cool idea. Maybe he doesn't. Because so, earlier, Tom was talking about being a role model of the children. And uh, we were talking about the community. And now we're talking about Cube. So, uh, one of our super uh, fan listener guys, who also happens to be uh, just rising the ranks in the kind of uh, online community, is uh, Josh, the proxy guy, who makes um, amazing like yeah. proxy renders. Just fucking amazing. His, his proxies are so good. Uh, I'm sure, Tom, you've probably not heard of this guy because you're, you know. Like not part so, of the So did you guess, see but. did you see mm-hmm. Roberto Gonzalez post um the M fifteen polluted delta? Yes. That's yeah, so Josh made that. Yeah. Okay. And then and then the, the thing is like it, it, like making a good proxy is fine. I mean I think it's it's an art form, but I mean a lot of people aren't impressed by that. But what was actually quite impressive is that even when he posted it and, and had a big disclaimer saying like this is not being reprinted. This is just what they could look like. But FYI, like this is not a spoiler. A bunch of people just picked it up and ran with it. That it was like, oh my god, they're you know this is a spoiler. They're right. reprinting these body blah blah because he he like he goes the extra mile. Like he he's a super perfectionist and he he'll get like even the right font like down to the you know the the pixel kind of thing. Um, so he started a project that I think is really cool called the Community Binder. Uh, which I don't know a whole lot about, but from what I think it is, <laughs> it, it, is he? I want to so this. Well, like, because he asked me about it, and I just kind of like went with it or whatever. But he's he's like asking players for what their favorite card is, slash like like what their I guess what card defines them, because maybe it's different. And um, and then he's getting them to sign it or or alter it or do whatever they want to it, and then. He had he's like making like a binder of that. So he's like he's like you know like what was that? It was like Anthony Weiner or whatever had the binder of women. Uh, so he's making like a binder of magic players, which is kind of cool. Whatever. Um, so I signed a Valakut and sent it off to him uh, because before I quit playing real magic, for some reason that was my favorite deck that I could think of on the spot. You hated um, that. No, I played the <laughs> shit out of it. Remember Horizon <laughs> Spellbomb. <laughs> you, you hated it. Yeah, he, I did hate it. <laughs> you like, but it you wasn't. You a bad you know, list. It wasn't fucking cobbly. So, so yeah. fuck that shit. Um, but one thing, like, see, he he was like, he sent me a bronze tablet that he signed with the yeah. note of like, ah, uh, here, this is like my community card. I hope that, uh, you know, it didn't like maybe this will inspire you to start your own. And I hope you have success with it, blah, blah, And a lot of people are doing it. Like, a lot of people are signing his cards and sending them to him, which I, th- I think it's really cool. It's a way for him to, like, engage the community. And I hope, like, some pros will maybe do it for him if he asks and stuff. But, um, so I don't know if that's really the, the route that I want to go. I don't think that that's something that I would be interested in. I think it's really cool, but I just don't have the patience for that. But what I think might be really cool, and it, the logistics just might not work, would be, like, a community cube. Uh, so I'm, I'm not thinking like where people pick the cards. Cause I think like that's too easy. Like it would just end up being like, a, like a, like a, either a really shitty cube or yeah. a regular cube, but just with a, like a couple of really shitty cards in it. Right. Yes. Um, but what I think would be cool is to get people to like design their own magic cards, um, and, and put restrictions on them, right. Following in Marrow's, you know, timeless advice that restriction breeds creativity. Um, and, and and like maybe build like a three hundred and sixty card cube, um, 
And like, you know, maybe we could supplement it with things like that we don't want to really waste time designing, like Doomblade, right? Doomblade and like Disenchant. We'll just leave those in there. They can be real cards, maybe, whatever. But I think it would be really cool to have like like the Tom March roll and it's like a like maybe like a five five with hex proof that you can you know <laughs> fucking do something super cool with. I don't know. Like I think that'd be sweet. I think that would be fun. I do think that would be awesome. Yeah, it sounds like a, a sweet project. Like and like I think it would be it would be just as and like engaging enough that it would still be fun and it would be long term enough that it would be like it it would it would feel like you accomplished something at the end. But I mean like how cool would that be if there was like a KYT in there? You know, <laughs> a silent assassin. Like you can't talk for the rest of the game, but it's like a fucking four from one manner. <laughs> you know, you can just you can't say anything but laugh. <laughs> you but can yeah, do so some I reprints. I know you don't like the reprints, but like you got to reprint like Tamio as Burton Sheeny, right? Like it's right. got it, to explore. Yeah, exactly. Right. Or yeah, you could just make Kira. You mean Kira? Or yeah, 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 yeah. Kira. That's yeah, Kira reprint Sheeny. Sure. Yeah. You know. We have I mean, I'd, I'd be fine with that. I think that'd be sweet. <laughs> yeah, I think I think a cube where like all the cards are like magic people would be yeah. very funny. Yeah, like, how, how, cool, how cool would that be, right? Like, I play I play Tom Martell and I equip Alex Bird Chief, so he's unblockable, unless Paul Rietzel's in play. <laughs> <laughs> if Paul Rietzel's in play, then you gotta nothing happens. You just can't attack or block. But nothing happened. <laughs> okay, great. <laughs> yeah, there's too many ideas. Like even be, I'm thinking like when Tom Martell comes into play, there's like a Brian Kibler.com token or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There are a lot of angles you could do. Oh man! And for every turn that it's in play, it like could just increase in value slightly. Oh, like, that's good. Yes. Okay, like, looking on it every turn, a counter. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, then, and you could either you could make it like a guild token, so maybe half for man. Like it could be like an ever flowing chalice, but that grows incrementally. <laughs> or it could be a creature that's bigger. It could be like a little troll, right? Like, you know. But see, like that'd be cool. Like I don't want to make it like the booze cube, like because that's a cool idea that I still enjoy. But it's like a little wacky, right? Like I want, I want to, I want to make it like a real playable magic cube. But, like, with things like that, like, when Tom Martell enters the battlefield, put a BrianKibler.com to, to play. I thought BrianKibler.com would be its own freestanding card. Probably. Yeah. And when Tom does play, you gain control of it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> or search, right? Search target player's library for BrianKibler.com. <laughs> put it into play. There's right? something here. We can work with this. Yeah, I mean, fucking sweet. And then, like, you could have the Brian Kibler card, and it could just be like, when Brian Kibler comes into play, everybody stops playing. Uh, the draft, the draft misfires. Everybody goes home disappointed. Kibler probably something every time you shuffle your hand, take a damage or something. <laughs> yeah, like every time you're not, every hands are still, you take a damage probably. Yeah, whenever you're not moving your hands, you take damage. If you haven't shuffled five times by your draw step, take it in. Oh man, this would be so much fun. Like, what would the LSV card be? Actually, I would probably hate it. <laughs> 14, 14 mana. <laughs> Great start. And then, uh, yeah, maybe some, some very expensive uh, abilities. Some, some form of dirtling. Yeah, great. Yeah, like, like, the, like the old tap, untap, tap, untap. 
Yeah. <laughs> and you start another draft? Yeah, I'm like, just start a new draft. <laughs> the join another draft. There's a lot of room here. There's a lot of creative space yeah, that has not been explored. Yeah, I think it would be cool. So, uh, so I know you don't have a whole lot of time, Tom, but maybe if you find some <laughs> next little while. <laughs> maybe you, you want to start us off. I mean, that'd be sweet. <laughs> so have you have you had the opportunity to booze cube yet i i had to ask i haven't no okay so i sh- i'll bring booze cube to boston excellent i will try not to day two so we can boost cube saturday night well i mean like you can day two just you know don't have high hopes for day two yeah well, seven two set done done <laughs> done so yeah we will that'll that'll be something i'll bring i'll have a booze cube in boston for sure Nice. Okay. Well, I, is there anything else that you guys want to talk about? Or are we calling her an evening? We've been blatting away for a good chunk of time. This is sweet. Yeah. It's a good show. I like it's it. super fun. I always uh, love coming on with you guys anytime. Awesome. Well, you know, we've asked you like a couple of times and you said now. <laughs> oh, oh, almost anytime. <laughs> okay. There we go. <laughs> anytime he's available. <laughs> I'll even move things around. I will do my best to make it work. Well, there you go. Occasionally it cannot be done, but I will always uh, make good effort to. Yeah, and we always appreciate it. It's always great. We get a lot of feedback from the episodes you're on. So. Sweet. Yeah, well, uh, hopefully everyone listening, you know, check out uh, my, my latest drafts and whatnot on Channel Fireball. Follow me on Twitter. And uh, let's keep talking about magic. Love it. Well, the moment I'm not going to go catch the second half of the Warriors game. This is perfect timing. Good man. Beautiful. Enjoy. Awesome, guys. Thank you for having me on. No problem. Thank you, everybody, for listening. We'll see you all next week. Have fun at your pre-releases and uh, get ready for your release. The standard is coming, and uh, hopefully it's... I mean, it can only go up from here. So, looking forward to that. Have a good night, everybody! Later, guys! Bye! What were the numbers of my other two, you know, of hand? What? Who are the one now? This is the 176th episode, is that what you're saying? Yeah. Jesus Christ. What, were, what one is the, what number is the first one I was on? <laughs> I don't know. Can't wait to find that. Uh, 43. Holy and, shit. And 64. Jesus. Jesus. Much. And, you've been th- three times, and 76. Really? I thought I was twice. I've been three times? Man. Awesome. A team number 76 to winging this legacy player. <laughs> That's right. That, that, that does sound like me. <laughs> <laughs> Once upon a time. Probably not anymore. All right.